everybody. How you doing? And welcome to the John Riley Project. And today we have a guest in the studio. I'm so happy to have Mike Ryan. How you doing, Mike? Hey, John. How are you? It's been a long time. It's been a while. I think the last time I saw you was when we did a live stream together, but we were doing it remote during the whole COVID crisis. And yeah, so it's been a while since you've actually been here in the, in the, in the podcast studio. Yeah. Well, <laughs> vaccination helped. <laughs> yeah. So we're both vaccinated. We right. thought this could probably be a good way to start getting back to normal. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to have guests in the studio because I love the conversation. Sometimes me solo podcast and I love the live stream. And and by the way, if you're listening or watching, we're live streaming this on YouTube and Facebook. We'll be happy to take your questions and comments. We'll read them on the air and make this a not just Mike and I, but we'll invite the audience to join us in the discussion. But I like having guests in the studio because the discussion's better. It's right. more, it's more comfortable. It's mm. it's just easier, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, so anyways, uh, we're, I'm hoping today we can talk about a little bit of a follow up on a previous podcast I did, you know, about the suspicion of an Amazon fresh, fully automated grocery store going in, in Poway. We can maybe talk a little bit about some of the development in Poway. You know, you're, you're a friend of mine. Our wives are friends we both live in Poway. Um, you work in the grocery industry, so we have a lot of, unique experiences. We share a lot of the same experiences. In some cases, our experiences are different. So it's kind of fun to bounce ideas back and forth. Yeah, absolutely. So let me let me tee it up. So last week, we did a podcast episode about the new grocery store that's, that's going in in Poway. And it's out there on the intersection of Pomerado and Twin Peaks. And when the city council approved it, they had to approve, I think, the facade. There was some architectural work they had to make an improvement on. And it previously, it was like an international grocery store, right? Um, yeah, I'm drawing this. Atlas. It was called Atlas. Atlas, yeah, <clears throat> which is kind of cool. I don't know if you've been in there, and they had a food court, and it was it was interesting. Never got a chance to go in there since they were, they opened. Uh, it was one of our stores previous. It was a, it was an Albertsons, yeah, and then turned to Hagen, and then closed down, and then Atlas picked it up, right. But never went in there to check out the format of their floor plan and anything like that. I heard it was pretty cool, though. It was it was different. And I, I remember when I would walk by, you'd see just a lot of people that looked like they were international. Right. You know, people that had, you know, Middle Eastern or Asian. There was just a lot of different. It was a very diverse clientele. Yeah. And then I remember going into the food court and they had about, I don't know, about six or seven um you know, small little ethnic food court servers there. Yeah, I heard that, yeah. And it was good, and it was different, and I enjoyed it. So, uh, but they closed, and then they've been empty for a long time. Then the city council says, okay, they're going to put in a new grocery store, but they didn't tell us who it was going to be. They just said it was a major grocery brand, is all the way they framed it. And again, I don't know all the details of this, but it just seemed kind of suspicious, right? They... If, they, if it was just going to be another Albertsons, they would have just set it straight up. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be Albertsons or it's going to be a Vons. We would just know. Um, but they kept it kind of coy. And then we later heard it was leaked that it was going to be Amazon Fresh or it was going to be a Whole Foods because mm-hmm. Amazon owned it. Mm-hmm. And then there was suspicion, you know, maybe that was going to help with the Amazon Fresh delivery to home. And people were speculating. But I noticed when I was driving by that the construction has been taking a very long time. Um, have you driven by it recently? 
No, I haven't. Um, usually when I leave my store, I take the back way home instead of going down Pomerado. Oh, so you just go around Espola? I can go, out, I go out of the parking garage. I can either go right down Pomerado or I cross Pomerado, go back to Espola and go back home that way. So I haven't really been through there. Um, I haven't even been that parking lot in, in a long time uh, to really take a look at what's going on. Um, and the last time I was there was probably maybe a month or two ago. And I didn't even pay attention. I just kind of drove through. Uh, so I haven't really seen what's going on, but I know they've been uh, moving along pretty quickly over the last, at least over the last month. Well, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I'd encourage you to drive by because they've got like a, a fence around it and it's got like a green tarp over the fence. So yeah. but you can still see inside. And when you look in inside, you know, it's wide open. It's not like there's any doors or anything, mm-hmm. but there's no foundation. I mean, they blew up the, the concrete flooring. It's just dirt inside. And... When I saw that, I was thinking, well, you know, if they were just going to put in another grocery store, you figure, you know, you put on some new flooring and, you know, make it yep. look nice inside and get maybe some updated shelving and lighting. Mm-hmm. And and they could have been, again, I don't, I know very little about groceries, but it wouldn't have been that hard. But the fact that they were like essentially blowing up the flooring, and if you look in there, they're, they're digging channels in the dirt that they're going to be laying electrical Plumbing, yeah, it makes sense. A lot of things. It's like they're building infrastructure in the store. Mm-hmm. So I thought that's interesting, and that's why it seems like it's taking a long time. But then I read an article, and it was an article on Zero Hedge, and it was talking about a grocery store that was going in in Connecticut that was Amazon Fresh, and it was top secret. It was like hush hush, and and there were people that had been looking around as they were doing the construction and they noticed that they were putting in lots of cameras and scanner technology throughout the store and that they had gotten a sneak peek of some of the carts and the carts had a built-in scanner in the cart as well as a video display like you would see at a cash register. Mm. And so the way it it was described in the article is that a person would have the Amazon Fresh app on their phone. They'd walk in the store. It would automatically recognize them. They would grab a cart. They would go down the aisle. And as they picked things off the shelf and placed it in the cart, it would scan it. And then on the screen, you know, like where the baby seat is, it would see an automatic running total of how much you were spending as you're walking through the store. Well, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. I've heard about that before. Um, and I knew that technology was probably going to come eventually. I wasn't sure if we were going to get it or who was going to get it. But it makes sense with Amazon because they're kind of – I feel like they're kind of high-tech anyways. And, yeah. and they've got all this you – know, financially, they're doing extremely well. I yeah. mean, they are running the gauntlet right now with everything. Um, so in my opinion – kind of feel like they are going to be um, if any if they're going to be anybody's enemy I think they're going to be Walmart's competition uh, Walmart's been our biggest threat for many years because of the non-union deal and how much money they have and they can build a grocery store anywhere you know they have the financial backing but Amazon has really been exploding lately I mean everybody orders from Amazon who doesn't order oh, from yeah. them nowadays you know yeah. so yeah well you know, again, we're, we're live streaming here. So, again, I, we welcome your thoughts and comments. So feel free to chime in. Type those comments into Facebook 
or into YouTube. If you have questions about the grocery industry, you know, Mike Ryan here, professional in the grocery industry, <laughs> yeah, you can take your questions. But we're just speculating about <clears throat> what that new grocery store might be. And yeah, Amazon, that's, that's what they said in that article on Zero Hedge is that it was a major technology company that was behind the grocer, mm-hmm. which clearly sets off alarm that it's got to be Amazon or some enhanced version of Walmart, but probably Amazon. Um, but besides this grocery store, during this pandemic, I mean, Amazon Fresh is a real deal. I mean, they're delivering to people's homes. Mm-hmm. How has that impacted your business at Albertsons? Well, that hasn't impacted us right now um, because we those stores really aren't in, in existence just yet in, in, in town. Um, I would imagine that because I run a produce department and you know in RB Ranch Bernardo that um, that it would impact us because the store is not that far away. Once it goes live, once everything goes, um, and they're able to have, I, from what I understand, that store is supposed to be Amazon's hub for fresh groceries. This new one, yes. Okay, that's, that's going because in. Well, you know the Amazon building is right there off of Chris Park Parkway. Right. So now instead of delivering, you know, goods that we dry goods, you know, mm-hmm. you know, uh, non perishables, right? Like they deliver every day, jewelry, clothes, whatever you order on Amazon, they send it right to you. It's right to you, you know, within the next day or two. Um, now they'll have the opportunity to have a store front where they can just buy fresh and deliver it to people. So, yeah, that is a concern for us because having them right down the street, you know, probably about, what, a mile, mile and a half down the road. Yeah. About, I think it's about a mile and a half down the road from my store. Right. Um, we're not sure how it's going to impact us yet. Um, we don't know how much it's going to cost. And if you're Amazon, you know, Prime, maybe the delivery is free. So it may benefit people to order from them. Yeah. And uh, so obviously we are. It's in the back of my mind. When Atlas was there, I wasn't worried. Right. I wasn't worried about them. That's a very different thing. It's a very different thing. And uh, even, you know, I have a Sprouts down the street. They don't really impact us very much. Right. So maybe the Amazon Fresh won't hurt us too badly. Uh, But, you know, everybody that moves in the neighborhood takes a piece of the pie. Yeah. And that's a concern for us because, you know, you start looking at how much in sales it's going to impact your store. That impacts hours. That impacts people's jobs. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, you can look at that as a positive. Well, they're bringing in a new business in town, and that's going to create jobs. But you have to look at the big picture and, and how many jobs is that going to affect elsewhere. So there's kind of a there's – there's, there's two ways of looking at it. Well, yeah. I mean, I, frankly, there's more than two. I well, mean, yes, Yeah, there's a but, lot of different angles to this <clears> because <throat> no doubt any competition – is a threat to your business, mm-hmm. right? which I understand and respect. But it's interesting that potentially this store may be a very different kind of store, right? Mm-hmm. If it has all this automation built in. But I would imagine, though, that you guys have your own competitive advantage. I mean, there's certain things that makes your store special, right? I mean, yeah, I believe so. I mean, there's. I'm sure your customers are very loyal to your store and to your people, right? Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the thing about what we've done, and I think in my industry, we kind of set the pace for customer service and standout service versus, you know, the non-union stores of the world like Sprouts, the the Walmarts and, and the Targets, things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a different approach to how we deal with our customers. And it's, 
you know, from a young age coming up in the business, it's always been our main focus. You know, granted, not, not, not all of us are, you know, customers. I don't know how customers always view us, but, you know, we're not, you know, none of us are always perfect on how our approach is with our customers. Sure. But, but we get to know our customers very well in the neighborhood and they become part of our family, especially yeah. If you are from the neighborhood, you know, I mean, I live in Poway where we're neighbors. I mean, I work in RB. So it's like, you know, I see people I know all the time. Your wife shops in my store. Yeah. <laughs> I see her. I see her all the time. So it's, it's, it's just funny because when she goes to the store, she'll tell me, oh, I saw Mike. And I go every time I go in the store because I go there a lot, too. Yeah. I never see you. And I must happen to come on when you're not working or maybe you're in the back busy. Send me a text. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Send me a text and I'll come out and say hello. Okay. I, you know, one of the things that, you know, I, yes, I'm concerned about the Amazon Fresh, of course. Um, but one of the things I love about what I do and at the store that I'm at and being so close to home is that we do have a strong support group from our customers. Yes, well, they get curious, of course. Everybody's going to get curious and go check it out, buy a few things. Yeah. Um, from what I understand from you and I, from our conversation, and this all the information I've gotten so far, most of it, was coming from our conversation and, and yeah. listening to your podcast. Well, it's going to be automated, but there's still going to be people putting product on the shelf. Correct. And there's still going to be people working in the produce departments and, and, and getting that all squared away in the service deli if they have one in bakery. Um, so, you know, is, it gonna, is there going to be a checker at all? There'll probably be a few managers or a few people up front, you know, supervising the self-checkouts because if it's automated, they're just going to go right through, pay, and then walk out, But the, I would think. Well, first of all, I think you're right. It's obviously they're going to have some employees. Yes. Um, but it's going to be, a, 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 for lack of a better term, a colder experience, right? Yes, yes. It's not going to be a warm, friendly, hey, Mike, right. how you doing? It, it, but my understanding is, is that there's no checkout at all. Because it's scanning as you walk down the aisle, as you load up your cart, when you're done, you just leave. I'm just curious how it accounts for if you change your mind on it and put it back on the shelf. See, there's a lot of those little nuances that I'm curious about as well, is how do they verify, you know, at the end. And, and you know, there's probably cases of potential fraud or theft or, you know, but I'm curious. And again, we're speculating. I don't yeah, really know right. what's going in in that store. But that article that I read on Zero Hedge, it just... Alarm bells went off for me because it it matched up. The stories matched, you know, the secrecy, the likelihood of it being Amazon, the fact that they're digging in the dirt and building infrastructure at the one here in Poway. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like people build a relationship with the butcher, yeah. with, with with the people in the bakery department, with the people in the produce department. Mm -hmm. That but it, it'll be interesting how it shakes out because some customers value that and other customers may not value that. Um, I, again, I don't know. You know, there are customers that come in that just don't want to be talked to. You know, they yeah. want to come in, get their groceries and leave. And that may be the perfect scenario for them to go down there and they have to deal with it. They need to come in. It's easy. Boom, boom. Mm -hmm. You're out. Um, we don't we don't know. And I'll, I'll definitely my team and I will probably go check that store out when it opens, because I'm very curious to see how they go about running their business and how they go about doing it. Yeah. Um, also, want to see their price points on certain items and see what the competition has to offer. Um, Amazon's got tons of money. I'm sure they'll come out of the gates with low prices and an ease of checkout service. Um, it just you know, there's, there'll be customers. I mean, not customers, there'll be employees, excuse me, uh, around the store to greet them. And, and help them if they need anything, obviously. Um, so I think it, I think it's a really neat deal 
overall, I think it's going to be really cool. But I also am a little bit concerned that they're opening. They're going to be opening a lot of those around San Diego. Um, from what I understand, they're going to open up another one. That there was talks about they open another one, Chris Pie Parkway. Mm. So that might hurt my sister store, the Vons over there. Yeah, and uh, that's because that Vons does a lot of business. But are, are Vons and Albertsons related? We are the same cup. We are owned by the same uh, investment group. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, really? That's yeah. what. That's why the Hagen thing happened. Ah. Make a touch on that if you'd like. You yeah. Know. Um, the um, so what happened was Cerberus, who owns us, mm-hmm. they bought us first. Albertsons. They bought the Albertsons company. And then they decided uh, they were going to go after, they wanted to buy the Vons Cup, Safeway. Okay. And, and I remember bu- Vons and Safeway were the same. I remember well, that. They, they bought Safeway because Safeway has their own logistics. They had their own warehousing. Um, they had their own um, ordering system. In-house, in-house ordering system is what they had. We had a third party taking our orders and sending it to the warehouse, mm. which was Super Value. Super Value way back owned us, but they wanted to go back to logistics. And so they sold the chain off to Cerberus. Okay. So Cerberus bought us, and um, so Cerberus got. You know, I'm not going to badmouth the company that owns us, but <laughs> you know, I mean, they, yeah. they. I think they they got a little bit greedy as far as purchasing uh, more stores, right? And and I understand why they did it. It makes complete sense. Why have a middleman taking your orders when your own company can take the orders right to yeah. the warehouse? Yeah, of course. You know, right to your ordering system. Yeah. You know, they 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 patent they'll, they'll build your pallets and send it out to you. It makes perfect sense, right? I was all behind it. Um, and, and Cerberus was doing some great things. They, you know, they had some great people in play. Our ads were really good. Our pricing was really good. When it was Albertsons, Cerberus buying Albertsons. Right. And then when they bought the, you know, the uh, Safeway side of it, Vons, um, then it was like, oh, boy, now, you know, what's going to happen here? Which would have been fine overall, but then the FTC ste- stepped in and said, well, you can't have a monopoly. Right. Okay. Remember? That's yeah. what they said. Yeah. They, you can't have a monopoly. Now so, it's coming back to me. Yeah. So, so they said, you have to sell some stores. Right, and that was I think it was a, a 146 stores total around that 440 something ish uh, from from the border through Fresno I think it was, you, and also in uh, I think it was Vegas and Nevada uh, you know Las Vegas and you know yeah. around the Nevada area, um, so it was like 146 stores total, and what impacted us mostly here in San Diego was we we sold off 25 stores, and 18 of those were um, Albertsons and seven of them were Vons. Well, the store that's on Poway Road, you know, Poway and Midland, Poway Community, it's a Stater Brothers, right? Oh, yeah. Was was, was that previously an Albertsons? That was an original Albertsons store. When I moved here in 95, that was an original Albertsons. So, okay, so I worked for Lucky's back then. Okay. And what happened was um, Lucky's and Albertsons had the marriage. Yeah. They called it, it was a big old circus, right? Okay. Where it was a whole marriage thing, they called it. Well, it was actually Albertsons purchasing Lucky's. And Lucky's was owned by American Stores. And American Stores was big. They they mm-hmm. had a ton of stores. And there was Lucky's everywhere. And everybody knew Lucky's was low prices. We right. had the best prices in town. We had the best ads. Um, nobody could compete with our ads. Vaughn's. Nobody. I mean, they. I mean, they. Vons have always had high prices, and but their meat was really good. People liked it for their meat. But overall, we had best pricing. And um, so Albertsons was like, "Well, we want to grow, but we want to buy. We want to buy a chain." So they decided to buy us. Well, Albertsons bit off more than they could chew, uh-huh. and it, it, it affected them later on financially. So they sold. They sold the company to um, uh, Super Value. And it was that was kind of a disaster. There was a lot of layoffs within the years that Super Value owned and what us. What was this time frame roughly? 
between I think it was between 2006 and 2012 because I got laid off in 2012. Um, so I quit the business in 2004 during the labor dispute. Right. Okay. Um, January 2004, I came back in June of 2004. After 15 and a half years, I said, you know, I'm tired of holding the sign. I'm going to move on. I'm going to try something different. You know, right. I had a young family at the time. Yeah. And I was in my early 30s, and yeah. I was like, okay, well, you know, I want to try something different. Well, those things didn't work out, and I decided to come back home. And plus, I missed a lot of the people I worked with. Yeah, sure. You build all these relationships, plus the customers. It yeah, was, yeah. The grocery industry, for me, I feel as frustrated as I get working there sometimes, and, and you know, but my but I have this amazing team around me. Yeah. You know, I have a great team in my produce department. I have a great backup. You know, um, she's amazing. I have some, some, one of my, some of my, I have one of my best friends who I've known for many years, her and her husband I've known forever. Um, she works on my team. So those are the kind of things that actually brought me back to the industry was the fact that I was raised in it and you know, you're familiar with it. So it's comfortable to go back. And yeah, I have my frustrations with it, but it's still a great industry, you know, as far oh, as sure. meeting customers, yeah. you know, and developing relationships. Um, my people skills, I think, are really, if, if I had any strengths, it would be my people skills. Well, definitely. Right here. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's inspiring to, to be speaking to people. I meet people every day. And so it's amazing. So what happened was Super Value did a couple layoffs during their tenure with us. Um uh-huh. 2007, they laid off a bunch of people. And then 2012, they did their finale. I, because I quit, came back, my seniority got, you know, was was impacted by that. Right. And I just missed the cut by a month. If I would have came back in May of 04 instead of June of 04, I would have made it. But I was just right there at the line. Oh. So I got called back the following week after I got laid off. And I got uh-huh. sent from a really great story I was at to uh, another story. And I was dreading that. But again... I who I, I'm I'm who I am. Yeah. So I'll make a good thing out of a bad situation anywhere I go because I'll get to meet people or I'll see people that I know. It's San Diego. I'm yeah. gonna run into somebody I know. You know you will. I mean I was born and raised here. So right. of course I go to I go to another store and, and I wasn't happy there, but eventually I got my groove. I started seeing people that are shopping there that I knew. And you know, it just goes from there. And then I got moved around then that that store, you know, Super Value sold. Back to, oh, they sold it to Cerberus. Cerberus picked it up, and they had a big Albertsons influence in that because a lot of the Albertsons people left the company. Now, somebody might chime in and say, you know, who's been in the industry, oh, I got a little mixed up there, but I'm trying to go off of memory here. A lot of things happened. You know what I mean? A lot of things (laughs) happened. That was a crazy time with the economy, too. Like, you know. Well, the real estate market got pounded in 2007. Yeah. I mean, just absolutely pelted. And then nobody thought it was ever going to get hit that hard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, people were nervous about that, you know, jobs, people were job, people were losing houses and, and losing jobs and yeah. stuff. And, and it was just, it was a mess. It for was a Armageddon. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, luckily for us, we bought it a good time and we were stable and I had a job. Um, but then super value went ahead after their last 2012 layoff. I think they realized it's time for them to get out of the grocery industry and go back to logistics, yeah. you know, taking orders and delivering and stuff. So, uh, that's when server stepped in. You know, uh, took the whole company over, and they really made some amazing changes. Our, our, you know, I was at that one store I was talking about. I was over at Mira Mesa, and um, we were turning things around. Things were going great. I mean, our, our ads were good. Our pricing was good. Our sales started to creep up. You know, it was it was really uh, it was we were all watching this happen, and then they decided, you know, well we're gonna we're gonna bite off more than you know. Well, they, they didn't bite off more than they could chew. They obviously they were okay. They they went ahead and bought the Safeway. Uh, you know, business as well. 
and which was a huge benefit because it was going to save them millions of dollars a year. So that's a no brainer. Right. Um, and it's still saving them money. Cerberus still owns us, which is, is kind of rare for an investment company. I think, you know, in my opinion, to own a company as long as they've had without selling it off already. So right. I would imagine they want to sell. But, you know, they got to they have to build up. They have to take away some of that debt before they can sell it to somebody who would want to buy us. But it's a private equity deal. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So the usually those kinds of investors. Yeah. They're looking to maximize their ROI. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and, and that's that's business. Of course. It's business. And and they've done a great job. Um, they put the right people in place. I think we're doing great as a company. Uh, you know, I, I think we. You know, we'll touch. I'm sure we'll touch on the COVID stuff later. But I think our company was one of the forefronts to take care of business when the COVID went down. And right. I, I pride myself on that. I think the Aversus Vaughn's team um, has been, you know, paramount as far as what we've been able to do with it for our customers and for our employees. Yeah, there's some hits and misses like with any business. And, um, you know, there, there's some growth. Uh, potential there as far as um, learning experiences and technology. Things are things are coming out, rolling out that we're doing in the stores. Um, it's it's been pretty interesting to see the changes happen. And you know, I'm not real big on change. I'm old school. <laughs> like we're right? talking neighborhoods yeah, yeah. or stores or yeah. whatever you want to talk yeah, about. Change I'm, is hard. I'm a little slow on change, yeah. but <clears throat> um, you know, at the end of the day, we are we're we're we're, we're a customer service industry. Our jobs are to sell groceries and take care of our customers and, you know, and, and come to work every day and work hard. That's that's just it's just it's basic. Um, I think some of the things, some of the ideas they have are awesome. Uh, I think some of the ideas are like, well, kind of re- trying to reinvent the wheel here. But, you know, they're they're trying to keep up with with still trying to maintain the. Um, that still that home field grocery yeah. atmosphere, you know, yeah. which is what we bring to the table. Well, that's the people. Yeah, the people, the relationships make that hometown feel. But I'm sure they're trying to surround it with greater efficiency, new technology and and a lot. Right. Exactly. Well, I, 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 if I could touch back on when I got laid off uh, in 2012, I was laid off for a week and then, and then I came back. And uh, after I got a call and said I was going to the store, and, and that's when we were, we were doing we were doing good. Our, I watched the sales go up about one hundred fifty thousand um, dollars, and I'm not going to give you the numbers. I'll, you know, I can't yeah. really give you the numbers. I mean, it's just but it went up, but a it lot. went about one hundred hundred plus thousand dollars by the time we ended up becoming Hagen, which was because they purchased because Cerberus purchased Vaz and the mm-hmm. whole monopoly thing. We from when I got there, we were probably doing well over about one hundred fifty thousand dollars more than when I got there within the. The next couple of years, you know, after that, and uh, and then lo and behold, the you know, the whole Hagen thing came in, and um, I just think it was kind of a a temp- It was a temporary deal when they came in; everybody knew it. We right. just felt it was temporary. It's just because of what happened with the FTC getting in, getting involved, and in, <laughs> uh, the Federal Trade Commission is right, FTC. Yeah, and um, so you know, things work out. I uh, you know, we we held on for about seven months. My store closed. I got laid off. I went to Rouse for a short time, about two months, and I found out the, the RB store was reopening as an Albertsons. And they said I talked to somebody who was a um, who was one of an, our ops specialists who I've known for many years. I texted her and said, "Hey, I'm looking to come back. Is there any possibility?" She goes, "They're opening RB." She goes, "Get your application in right away. I'll get you in here." <laughs> I got my application in there like. It, Right then and there. And I went in. They, they go, you don't even need to interview. Just come on by. 
and we'll get you set up. She goes, you will get everything that you had when, when you know, you left Hagen I mean, or before it'd be like, you never left like Hagen never existed, which nice. was really suspicious. But I was like, well, you know what? I'm about to put this behind me and move forward mm-hmm. and, you know, get my career back on track. Right. And, um, so that was 2015 when Hagen went down, and 2016 is when we opened up the RB Albertsons back up. We only able, we were only able after out of those 25 stores in San Diego, and we're talking about 140 something stores across, you know, mm-hmm. Southern California, right. Nevada. We only got back in, in San Diego. We only got about five of those back out of 25. Oh wow! Because they all went to other companies. Uh, the judge pretty much told them. You know, Albertsons or Cerberus or whatever, whoever was in charge of getting the stores back. You're only getting one chance to bid on these stores. If somebody outbids you, you know, that's it. Wow. It made it very unfair for the companies to really burn. Because I think what happened was they were when this whole hanging thing was going to go down, I think Cerberus thought, well, we're going to be able to buy a lot of these good stores back. You know, um, stores on the coast like Pacific Beach, Del Mar. We had some really great stores, um, you know, up in the Carlsbad area. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on that area over there. There's a really nice. There was a really La nice Costa. store, La Costa. Yeah, thank yeah, you, yeah. thank you. That La Costa store was was a good store for us. Um, the stores on the 15 Tierra Santa, my store, Mira Mesa. Um, those stores were money makers. They did great. And those stores we ended up giving up to competitors. And now my old stores are Smart and Final. And I think the store in Tierra Santa, I think, is a Smart Final as well. And there's a floor and decor now over there in Carl Mountain. <laughs> that wasn't was an hour. Since that store was changing. Busy. It's like a shuffling of the deck. It is. I wish we yeah. would have been able to buy more stores back on the 15 quarter because that would have given us a little bit more opportunity to move around. Now we have, we can't jump banners. So we haven't been able to do that yet where we can go from an Albertsons to a Vons or a Vons to an Albertsons. Yeah. And um, the only way to do that is you have to quit the store you're at. And they can probably pull some strings but it takes a lot to get somebody to from an Albertsons to a Vons. I'm sure it's a ton of paperwork cuz you're having to transfer everything over. Um so ever since this whole thing went down, they still haven't figured that part out yet, but eventually I think we'll all blend. I was wondering if they were going to take one name and keep it under one banner. I'm surprised it kept us separate this long, but maybe to create the illusion that there are multiple companies and less of a larger player. Well, Who knows? Well, we still we run the same ads, right? We finally started to run the same ads a couple years ago, and so with know, with both banners, both both brands on the same ad at the same time. Wow, because the pricing is identical, the same products. I can't guarantee pricing. I mean, it might be different in Del Mar versus or, or my or, or Ranch Mar versus uh, down south San Diego or something like yeah. that. You know, um, there'll be some variance. Yeah, yeah, probably. But maybe the items <laughs> they pick to advertise may end up being the ones that are consistent. Right. We have some a lot of comments here on the oh, live wow. stream. So let's uh, take a look here. Uh, Mike Polite says um, competition typically benefits consumers and competitors in some way. Aside from zoning, there are reasons like businesses tend to congregate in the same areas. So this was earlier in the podcast, perhaps when we were talking about how the new grocery store, the old Atlas, mm-hmm. is only a mile and a half down the road. So mm-hmm. do you find that, that a lot of times grocery stores are clustered together? Yeah, it used to be like that a lot years ago. Before all this happened, like I said, the, when the Hagen thing happened, we lost a lot of stores. Um, so before that, there was like an Albertsons, a Vons, an Albertsons, a, 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 you know, a, a, you know, a Vons, an Albertsons, and a Vons. They were all pretty much uh, close together, like maybe two miles apart. Right. And it just seemed like every... 
time you went down a major road, you'd, you'd see three or four grocery stores on the way down. And it's still probably like that. But you got to understand also, Rouse has closed a lot of stores over the years, too. Um, the reason why our sales went up in Mira Mesa was because the Rouse used to be across the street. That one closed. And so our sales, we got that extra sales kick from them as well. Right. And uh, so, yeah, it's competition's a good thing because it, it makes these companies really think outside the box. Right. You got to improve. You got well, you can't be lazy. You've got to step it up. It's all about the customer. Right. It is 100 percent about the customer. And if you're not thinking about your customers as a business owner, you shouldn't be in business. Correct. Because that consumer is paying your bills. That's I mean, right. that consumer is paying your paycheck. So you you need to do everything you possibly can to keep that customer coming back, whether it's amazing customer service, whether it's people in the check stand, whether it's in stock, fresh conditions every single day, a clean store. I worked with a store manager. Um, I talked to him every now and then. He has since retired. Uh, my store manager I work with that right now are gr- is great, and he's best friends with this guy, uh, my former manager. My former manager, uh, store director, flat top, flat top, high and tight. It was dialed. It was <laughs> right squared <on>. off. <laughs> Mr. Clean. Yeah. He made sure everything was clean, clean, clean. People walk in, they love seeing a clean store. They love seeing things face down, fresh. People will buy from your store if it looks like you took the time to, you know, put the or put the effort into making it look welcoming. If your store is dark and it's crowded with displays and just junk everywhere. Well, that's like Walmart. Yeah. Walmart can be a little messy. But some, you know, some grocery stores have tended to go that route for a while. Um When I was through the Lucky Albertsons world, we've always been kind of clean that way. And I know back in the day, back in Lucky days, food basket days, we used to build these big displays. Um, now we're much cleaner. We, we, the displays are a lot smaller and everything's a lot tighter. There's no slop going down the aisles. Less is more. Well, they want to get people, more people down the aisles shopping versus um, having stuff in the way to, to create obstacles. You know, you don't want to put obstacles in front of a customer. You want to open up your aisle so people can get down there comfortably and enjoy the experience of looking for what they want to buy. We've all had that situation. We have a cart and there's someone in the cart coming in the other direction. Yep. And then someone's got their cart stopped and they're looking around and you can't get through because the aisle is too narrow. So, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Listen, I, I as a consumer, you know, I shop. I shop. Um, what's that? What's the term that a lot of network markers marketers use? I buy for myself. Okay. So I shop at my store and if I'm not working, my wife will, will order groceries, Instacart groceries. So we talked about ordering online. Yeah. Well, there's Instacart. My Uh wife will buy Instacart from my store. She was buying it for if I'm not working and I don't want to go to the store or something like that. And she wants something right away for a recipe or whatever it is. And, uh, she doesn't want to bother me at work. She'll just order something, right? It's just kind of how we've been programmed over the last year and a half or so since right. COVID went down. Um, she was ordering from Gelson's, which is a, which is one of the companies that picked up one of our stores in Del Mar. So she's been ordering food from Gelson's, and they've been bringing it all the way from Del Mar over here. And and you know, it was funny. Our, our the milk that they were buying was going bad. And my wife's looking at this, well, it's still like four days out. I go, yes. are you buying milk from Gelson's over there? And she, I go, you know, when they take it off the shelf and they're still shopping around, that milk is, that clock is ticking on that milk. Yeah. You need to have it in the fridge within a half hour to it. No later, no more than 45 minutes to an hour. I think at the very most. Well, especially if it's close to its expiration date, it gets a little sketchy, Well, even, right? if, it, even if you buy it 10 days out, 
if, if the milk is getting warm while they're shopping there for other groceries and they put it in their car and they drive across town to drop it off on your front porch and then you go out there and lollygag and pick it up, put it in the fridge, guess what? That 10 days just went down to four days. Right. If you're lucky, you know? <laughs> so, and I work dairy. So, usually the milk is supposed to come with at least 10 days out. And and if if you're buying it for somebody and you got a long drive, I, I told I said, don't buy from them anymore. Well, yeah. Okay. You, know, you buy from me. You know, buy from, <laughs> buy, buy from your husband's store, you know, yeah, kind yeah. of deal. And, so you know, is Instacart, you can choose which retailer it comes from? Yeah. They're like just like a – they're an independent like – they're like a DoorDash maybe, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, our Vaughn store, our sister store down, down the street, Ranch Bordaro, has the delivery service. So, I mean, we essentially could you, could could go through them as well if we wanted to. Um, but I, you know, if she's going to use Instacart, I just would, uh, you know, just would prefer her to shop at my store. Yeah. You know, I mean, I have the products and, right. you know, it's funny. She'll get home, you know, she'll get the products. He didn't get me what I wanted. Uh, he said he couldn't find it. I go, these are all produce items. I go, I have that, 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 <laughs> that. I go, I go, I, I can tell you exactly where it's at right now. When I get to work tomorrow, I'll take a picture of it. She should send you a text and say, honey, on your way home, can well, you pick I, up? I, I do buy before I go. I do buy before I go. It's But if I'm off, the last place I want to be in is a grocery store. And Galit's been making a lot of recipes. Oh, a ton. Yeah. The cooking that she shares on oh, Facebook wow. is unbelievable. It's, it's amazing. She's really... <laughs> My wife has done an amazing job with not only the food she's making, but desserts. She's always been great at desserts, but she's reinvented herself over this last year. It's unbelievable. And she looks great. She oh. lost tons of weight. She's been exercising like crazy. Uh, so, you know, look, listen, do we have to use Instacart? No, because she's got a grocery guy for a husband. Yeah. But there's a lot of times where I'm off. I don't want to go to the store. Yeah. The last thing I want to set foot in is a grocery store. My wife knows that. So she'll, she, she leaves me alone and she'll do her Instacart thing. But then, you know, when they get home, it's amazing how, how I take these things for granted because I work there. I know exactly what to look for. Yeah. But these poor people that come in there, they're just lost. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't we all find need this, help. can't find that, yeah. you know, and then they come, they don't have what we need. I'm like, yo, honey, it's. <laughs> I, I, I have your ginger kombucha right there. It's right there on aisle eight. I, I order it. I, it's in my department. I order it. So, you know. Well, let's, let's get to some more of these comments here. Um, Mike Polite says Albertsons is a massive player in grocery. We've kind of covered that. Mm -hmm. Shrinkage in grocery isn't the same kind of threat it is in, say, an electronics store. What does he mean by shrinkage? Do you so know? shrink is um, product that you is either is either stolen or you throw away. Um, that causes shrink. That that's that's a killer for us as an industry. Um, you want to minimize shrink. Anything you throw away, anything that goes bad, you, ah. you're, especially in a fresh department like mine. Yeah, shrink is a focus point. Um, let's say I'm supposed to run around a four percent shrink. You know, if I go over that, that means I'm throwing too much away. Right. If I go way under that. That means I'm not ordering enough product to keep my sales up. So you uh, have to balance. You have to have a balance. And shrink is is always been a killer for a grocery store. If you have too much of it, that means you got to you got to source where, where the source is coming from. Are you are you losing sales in liquor? We get a lot of liquor theft. Um, mm, you yeah. know, which goes out the door. So what do you do in, in that in that uh, instance? Do you do you look at your high dollar items that people are stealing, you pull those off the shelf or you lock them up in the lockbox. Right. People have to ask for them. So yeah, shrink is a big deal for grocery. I've never heard that term in that context. 
But it makes sense. So I'd imagine, yeah, yeah that's a key metric that's probably being measured every week. You know, it's one of the key numbers you guys look at, right? Well, in a fresh, yeah, exactly. In fresh farm, it's it's first in, first out. Well, if you're throwing it away, it means you order too much. So you have to really everything's about timing, and and a crystal ball. Yeah, you're you're, you're you're guessing. A lot of it's a guessing game, but you you start to learn your flow. When I order, I have an order guide, and I I write down how many I think I'm going to use or I think I'm going to sell, and I order let's say three cases of of Fresh Express shred lettuce. Okay, I sell a lot of that. So let's say I order four cases per load. I'm going to assume I'm going to sell these four cases. But if I walk in the day I'm getting a load and I see there's two cases there and I got four coming in, now I have six. Right. So I'm going to order two or three of the next one. Right. Unless unless it's the weekend (laughs) and it gets hot. People are going to buy more. Right. So you have to really look at stuff like that because our our, we make all of our fresh made bowls, the watermelon bowls, bowls, we make all that in house. Yeah. So. We have to make sure we gauge how much we think the customer is going to buy because we make too many. That's $4, $3 a pop that we're throwing in, in the trash. Right. And we have to account for each one of those tags that are on those containers now. Right. So they want to know. So we scan everything that we are we are donating. We donate it. So it doesn't all go in the, in the trash, but we don't get any credit for it. We don't get the sales. I think some... Some states are making that a law, right? That grocery stores have to donate their excess or their, in this case, their shrink. I don't think it's a law for us. I think we just do it because yeah. we're set up for it. Um, we donate to some of the churches and some whoever our group is that picks it up. Yeah. Um, we, and we donate about, I think it's seven days a week. <laughs> you ever see the Seinfeld episode about the, the muffin tops? Where they, they sounds familiar, but they, I'm not. they baked the muffin and the muffin top was the great thing. And they the stumps they would donate to, to a shelter, of course. And well, then the people got angry. How come we only have the stump? Where's the top to the muffin? Well, this is like a loaf of, <laughs> loaf of bread. Who's gonna eat yeah. the heel? Who's gonna, yeah. you got two ends? Who's gonna eat the ends? Exactly. Okay, so here are more comments. Also from Mike Polite, a head of lettuce goes from value to worthless in a matter of hours or days, and mm-hmm. grocery economics account for that. Shrinkage and missing items are just part of the calculation. Mm-hmm. So we covered that, and Mike giving a shout-out to Lucky. Matthew Brannigan uh, chiming in. I seem to remember at one time that the Albertsons in the East and the West were owned by two different companies at one time. Is that true? So – Way back when, um, well, so Albertson started in Boise, Idaho by Joe Albertsons. And um, we've always been owned by the Albertsons family. Okay. And then when Joe passed away, his wife was still around. Um, and when, and then when, when uh, I call her Mama Albertsons, when she, when she passed, <laughs> yeah. it went corporate. Okay. And uh, so it was, I don't, I've never heard they were owned by anybody else other than the Albertsons company. Until a super value end up purchasing them. Now there may have been some stores um, like like what he's saying that may still have been owned by the Albertsons company, and then over here on the West Coast was probably owned by Super Value. So there's some truth behind that, but I can't verify the facts on that until I you know ask around. And but because we changed so much, I don't. It's almost like I don't even know who to talk to anymore about. <laughs> Yeah. Past ownership. Although my boss is very, very savvy. He's he's been in the industry about forty four years. Uh, I believe he's going to retire next year. But I, that's a question I would be able to ask him. He'd be able to confirm that because as store directors, they used to have to fly out to Boise for big meetings or whatever's coming up. Um, um, they'd have to. They've been. I think they've flown out there. They've been to Fullerton quite a bit because that's where their main offices is. Uh-huh. But I have to ask him that and. 
they there's they have a lot of firsthand knowledge and what goes on with the company. Um, so there's probably a lot of truth to that. Uh, he's obviously done his homework, so I, I can't really I can't really speak on that until I have the facts. Um, but Albertsons as a whole started out just as Albertsons. They were owned by Albertsons alone right. uh, for many years. I know that. And then as we as they branched out and got bigger, um, that makes sense. Well, there's been a lot of buying and selling and. It's possible maybe some entity bought some of the stores, but right. retained the name because mm-hmm. the Albertsons brand is so valuable, right? Right. Because people yeah. trust the company. Let's go down the list here. Got a lot more comments. This is great. Pete Neald on the live stream. Working the aisles is just the apex and the apogee. So Pete's always talking about cars and he's, yeah, get, yeah, he's getting yeah. ready for his big race at Spring Pete. Mountain. I love Pete. I can't wait to meet Pete. Yeah, he's a great guy. So I'm going to be in Pahrump, Nevada with him this weekend. He's going to be racing his Corvette. Oh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I remember it, you saying something about that. So he's always thinking of apexes and apogees. It's it's working the approach, breaking and making the correct amount of turns. So that's when we're, we got our carts in the store and we're trying to <laughs> navigate. So Mike Polite says, bingo, those cartwheels only have 100% of the grip. Some of it is being used for braking. Less of it is available for turning. Yeah. And then sometimes you get a cart with a bad wheel, right? So that's oh, always, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because that's probably, you do have a guy in your store that just maintains the carts? Is no, that a, we, is that we a have job? a company that would come out and uh, once a year they come out and they service the carts, all the wheels and our, you know, our push carts that we have. Yeah. Because uh, we load those things up heavy, you know, every day when we work. Well, those them, are the so. ones for the employees, but then the shopping carts that the we, customers they, they use. do both. They work on both. Okay, they work on both. They, they'll work on the shopping carts, and then they work on our carts that we use inside the store as well to push our product around. The the cool innovation in the carts that I like is now that you sell advertising space on the cart. Yeah, so they'll be like a local realtor. And I think that's probably a nice little piece of revenue for the store, but it's a great exposure for the re- for the realtor. Well, I can plug a couple people that are that have been in my that are actually one of them is in our store right now. His picture's been up there forever, and that's uh, Mark Nimitz from Farmers Insurance. Okay, if you see Mark's picture on there, I mean he's one he's my agent, mm-hmm. and he's great. He's 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 awesome. I hope he sees this. I'm sure he will because I'll talk to him about it later on. But uh, he's he's been great. His pictures. He looks like a twelve-year-old kid in the picture, and I give him a hard time about that every time. And uh, he shops. He shops in the store. He comes by. He'll say hello. And he actually a couple people are under him in my store. One of my guys that works for me, him and his wife are under him as well. And he's a he's a hometown boy. He's from Poway, born and raised, I think. I know he went to Poway High, and uh, I think he went to Garden Road as well. Uh, but he's from Poway, and he he's only, he runs his he runs his uh, right on his farmers insurance company out of Poway. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool when you start seeing people that you know. Um, uh, Cynthia used to live in our old neighborhood. Um, Cynthia Elizondo. Yes, I've and seen then, her picture. Um, and then I've seen Rick McCandless, <clears throat> and I've seen Karen Pato. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, a lot of the bigger realtors in town will use that advertising space on the cart. It's cool. I took a picture one day of Cynthia. And I said, I texted to her, hey, you're famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty cool. Right on. So going down the list here, uh, um, Mike Polite says, exactly. Shrinkage is just part of the calculation Amazon is making when it comes to product, either purposely or intentionally walking out of the store. They may have a larger margin to apply um, lie with two because of the lower overhead, fewer human employee beings. So, yeah, so the Amazon model may be very different. Um, there may be, to, to your point, maybe less employees that may give them an advantage in some cases, but less employees could cut the other way 
and not build those relationships? Well, with fewer employees, it's very hard to maintain your, your shrink because you don't have enough eyes keeping track of yeah. it. Um, but, you know, you talk about overhead. And, and, and that's what a lot of these companies will – they make – they make it seem like it's the employees. I, let me rephrase that. It overhead always has always been the um, a financial burden at times with employers. I would say because of raises or because of yeah. minimum wage increases. Yeah, that makes and a big benefit impact. increases and, mm-hmm. and work comp and all that stuff. Right, mm-hmm. I get it. But I think one of our biggest issues is uh, rents on the property. You know, that's what's really killing us is maintenance of maintaining the stores for as far as refrigeration, electricity. Um, the rent is the biggest. I mean, you're paying into the six figures per month to per run month the, per month just to, to for renting for renting the uh, the space. Wow. Well, and then think about that Atlas store that, you know, is being transformed to Amazon. It's been empty for a long time. That's a lot of lost revenue for that. It is that strip mall. It is for whoever owns that, whoever owns the land. Uh, is is missing out on six figures a month because that's a pretty good sized store. Yeah, that's and a, you yeah. know obviously it goes by the square footage, but I just think you know what. In all honesty, I, I really don't feel bad for these property owners because of the fact that these uh, private companies or these independent companies, you know, these small mom and pop companies, are trying to stay afloat. And I I hear some horror stories from some of these guys, and I don't mean to bag on these owners, but you know what they had they have a little something coming because um, during the struggles. Uh, of trying to run a uh, you know your own business, you everybody's got a dream of trying to run a restaurant or a nutritional mm-hmm. center or whatever it is. You know, I mean, I have a friend that closed his shop down. Um, he's from the neighborhood. Um, he had the vitamin store, and you know, the rents were just outrageous. Yeah, karate schools or educational schools or whatever you got, whatever it is, shoe stores. It doesn't matter. All all across the board, if your rent's way too high, and you're not bringing in enough sales, you know, enough profit, those places are going to go vacant for such a long time. Would you want to have that money coming in regularly by cutting it down? I mean, I don't know how much they owe on their property, but you know, it talks. We talked about growth. We're talking. We're probably going to go into that section here in a little bit. But I'm thinking to myself, as a retailer, how do you pay a competitive wage? You know, give your employees benefits. You know, cover yourself with work comp. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, insurance, and still be able to give your customers. An affordable product, right? If if you if your rent or your your how much it costs to maintain the store, you know, as far as everything else is concerned, your bills aren't you know at a level to where you can do that. If, if things are too high, and the rent has got to be number one on that, especially when you're paying that monthly, if you're paying over hundred thousand dollars a month in rent on those buildings. Well, I'd imagine in your business, obviously, the cost of goods sold is probably your biggest expense, right? Yeah. Then probably after that it's it's employees, and then after that it's rent. I that's, I guess, my, that's my guess. I, I think it's I think it's I think it's rent, and then I think it's overhead. I, I well, rent's kind of part of overhead, right? Well, I, I don't know. I'm not the right person to ask that question uh-huh. to, John. I mean, to be honest, I'm not. I want to sit there, and, but I had the breakdown shown in front of me one time. It's a ton, and and, and, and definitely employees play a huge part on that yeah. because of all the money that goes out to paying your employees yeah, overhead as you should. And, you know, I, I kind of separated, I, in my mind, I'm separating. Um, I mean, cause it all comes out of your pocket, you know, you're paying the rent and you're paying people. So it all comes out of that bottom line, your profit margin, right? right? You know, so here you have, you have uh, $300,000 
and and, and now you got to pay a hundred thousand to rent. You got to pay fifty thousand to the electric bill. You got to pay another hundred thousand uh, spread out between a hundred employees. Or and I'm just giving rough estimates. I, here. I know you mean. I don't yeah. have anything concrete to show you, but um, then I can see. Then then it also well, you guys make all this money. Well, <laughs> you could be at a store that does a half million a week. But make no money. That's true, and you guys operate on relatively thin pr- profit margins, right? It, it, but there's not a, there's not a lot. I mean, I've heard make, like at the end of the day, it's only like single digit percent profit. It's, it's not what people think it is. I mean, yeah, I mean, you get a store that does a half million dollars, but if it costs you, you know, five hundred twenty thousand to run it, you know, <laughs> you're, then you're in the red every month. It's you know, the companies look at you like, well, you're losing money. You're not doing us any good. That's when stores start to close. Well, I remember seeing people online talking about this and not just with groceries, but corporations in general, that a lot of times people don't understand like what the bottom line profit percentage is for most companies. They think that they're making 30, 40 percent, you know, bottom line numbers, when in fact, most mature companies, they're, you know, the bottom line profit that at the end of the at the end of the year compared to their revenue is well under 10 percent. Well, you are not doing yourself any favors if you're not making an average of 30 to 40% on every shopping cart that goes through that line. Because yes, you, that's on the cost of goods. That's so your gross margin right there. If somebody, if somebody spent $100 in your store, you just made 30 bucks on right. average. Because some things are a lot less percentage of profit than others. You know, you right. have items that are could be 60%, uh, some items that could be 10%, some items that could be 0% because it's an ad item. We don't make no money on ad items. We make pennies if we're lucky. Those are lost leaders, right? They are lost. Yeah. Well, yeah. Lucky's was real big on that stuff when we were with Lucky's. They made no money on ads. They their ads brought people in. Uh-huh. So you know, if you're in a, if you're in a community that just shops the ads, your store is in trouble because that's all they're going to come there for is the ads, and they're not going to buy anything else. Right. But the idea behind it is to get people in the door with that ad, so they buy other things. Right. And so the the old rule of thumb was I got this from a store director was Mike. If that customer spent a hundred bucks, I just made thirty. Okay. And but you know the thing is, is it's you got to make it. You got to have enough customers spending enough volume to make sure that you can pay your bills. Yes. And still have a little something at the end of the day. So and I think that's if you use that example. If it's a hundred dollars at the cash register, you guys are keeping thirty bucks of that. Seventy <clears throat> percent of it is cost of goods sold. Yep. And of that thirty bucks, you've got to pay for your rent, your salaries, your insurance, mm-hmm. all yeah, that. Yep. At the end of the day, the the corporate shareholders are probably only making $4 or $3 off of that $100 shopping cart. But when you look at their when you look at the stock markets and you look at their profits and our union does a very good job making sure they investigate how much these companies are actually making and it's into the tens, millions or billions of dollars, you know, and it's like, okay, wait a minute. And then you start to think about when it's contract time, yeah. you know, okay, well, we haven't really had a cost of living raise in several years. Uh, the last contract we, we negotiated, the union got us a, you know, a decent raise. Um, but you start thinking about that kind of stuff. You're like, well, wait a minute here. <laughs> wait a minute here. You know, minimum wage is going to go up to $15 an hour next year. Yeah. And we got employees that make a little bit above that and been the business for years. So how are we going to combat that? Well, those guys will... Those guys will need a bump too. It's well, going to cascade. Our contract is next year. It's going to cascade across your whole contract. So it, the it, contract ends March of next year. 
And that's our next raise is coming in January, right? The next uh, bump in uh, minimum, uh, minimum wage is coming in January, February. Yeah, because what is it now? It's like 13 or 14, right? Depending on the size of the company. And it's going to go up an extra dollar in January. So it'll be $15 next year. Right. And then our contract comes up in March. And so the big, the big, the big um, discussion is going to be okay, so what are we paying these people? Right. Because these people have been here 10, 15 years and they're making peanuts. And now you're paying people right off the street. Uh, you know, top dollar to come work in the store and they don't have any skills, no experience. Yeah. And you're paying them in the teens as far as minimum wage is, it was always a base point to get you from point A to point B eventually. Um, and I don't think minimum wage should even be close to that because you got to start somewhere and build from that. You, you learn. We're in a union company. Uh, you know, it doesn't take a college education, educated person to do our job, but it does take a strong work, work ethic and people skills yes. to do it correctly. Yes. You have to have a business sense in order to run our stores. I run the produce department. I know my shrink numbers. I know what I do every week. I know that the outcome of my sales is by me and my team taking care of that department every single day. The orders that I write, my inventories, I do an inventory every four weeks on the nose. I know my profit margins. I know my shrink. I know my sales. I know all that stuff. I run my own business in my own little section, and it's it's uh, imperative that I spend the time to pay attention to shrink dollars and things like that. I, I want to know what my numbers are. If if I'm supposed to be at a four percent shrink and I'm at a five, I'm doing something wrong. I'm throwing too much product away. Right. So I need to figure that out. Um, am I am I giving product away? Am I throwing it away? What what are we doing? Is it being stolen? I mean, yeah, somebody's been stealing my pistachios. Is this a true story? True story. People stealing pistachios? Someone's been stealing my pistachios. <laughs> they're, they're, John, they're 15 bucks a pop. Oh, wow. For the big bags. I mean, I, I kid you not. That's I a lot. In, I got a picture. I'll show you. I can show you right now. That'll show you an empty spot where I have been running that section light because we've been getting theft. And I don't know why people are stealing pistachios. But see, uh, two months ago, I lost about $600 in pistachios. The big 32-ounce bags are fifteen ninety nine. dollars so, so what are they doing? Are they just like... Picking it up and walking out the no door. No but but pistachios is the hot thing, along with alcohol. We we, we, we a lot of alcohol is is stolen from our store. <laughs> People just walk out because they can. Yeah, I well, mean, the, 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 the law has changed in California, right? Where if you steal something, I think if it's less than a thousand dollars, it's only a misdemeanor, and I think the cops don't chase that down as aggressively as they used to. You know, and, and we don't, we don't, we don't confront these people there's no confrontation because yeah. it's at the end of the day it's not my money you know it's the principle but it's there's a principle involved but you know it's then again it's, it's not my money but we still have to be um accountable for that somehow some way right so now i'm like okay well i just lost six hundred dollars how am i going to make that up so yeah. i have to be real creative on when i write my orders i can't throw anything away i got to make sure that whatever i sell whatever i buy in that i sell so this is great because you think like an entrepreneur in managing your department. You have to. Yeah, yeah you have that's to. good. We don't walk in there. We're not a bunch of knuckleheads that just walk in there <laughs> and, and just, uh, we'll just put this on the shelf. Yeah. We rotate. Yeah. And if my guys aren't rotating, they'll know about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when I yeah, walk in, I go, well, I go, wait a minute. Okay, you have, what's today's date? The 28th, right? Okay, you have 29s over here on the right column. Let's say it's the same flavor. Let's say it's Fresh Express Caesar. I pick it on salads because okay. salads are one of my big deals there. 
Fresh Express says you got 29s over here on the left, but you got May 6s over here on the right. I go, well, that's not rotation. You need to put the old stuff behind all that stuff, bring the new stuff. It's fresh yeah. in, fresh out. Yeah, right. All the time. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's those things. It's like the same thing with milk. You're not going to put the 28s on the, on the back and the fifths on the front. You know what I mean? It's just like you're constantly rotating it. I've been in a lot of different departments. I've worked night crew for years. I know how to order. I know how to merchandise. I know how to take care of customers. And I know how to run this business. This is uh, I never wanted to become a store director by choice. I like what I do because it keeps me, I say the word honest, it keeps me genuine with my customers, I yeah. guess. Yeah, you're connected to what's real. I like being out there with them. Yeah, right yeah, on. Yeah, I can, I can make significantly more money than what I'm making now if I ran my own store, but that's a headache I don't want. I like having my own little section yeah. with my team, and we take care of business, and right. that's what that's the way it is. It's so that's pretty much what I do in a nutshell, as far as that's concerned. It's a juggling act to you know you got to you want to have low prices for customers, but you've got theft, you've got shrink, you've got high rent, yep. you've got employees that a minimum wage is going up, or b they legitimately deserve a raise. Yeah. And, and again, making all that balance is hard. That's why I guess the financial bean counters are the ones that let's let's take a look at a couple more questions here. Um, boy, they've been loading up here. Thanks, everyone, for watching and following along. And Pete, uh, uh, Mike Polite says it's better to ignore Pete and I sometimes <laughs> a little conversation <laughs> going on on the live stream. Mike says, have you have you guys seen Trailer Park Boys? Bubbles does cart repair. OK, wait no. a minute. We're, we're getting off track here, gentlemen. <laughs> no. um, I'm going to skip a few of these. Um, OK, Mike Polite says, yeah, our rent for the bookstore in La Mesa is the largest sunk cost we face other than taxes. Wow. Yeah. So rent maybe." More than the cost of employees, maybe even more than the cost of the books you sell. It's like I was saying, it's the rents, huge. Rents, rents are big. It's gigantor. Big. Yeah. Uh, Yuri's saying, hello, if Amazon Fresh becomes successful, are you fearful that other chains will follow suit, meaning less employees? What do you think, Mike? Well, that's always, um, they've been talking about that for years, uh, about going automated. We have self-checkouts, but we still have to man them. Right. You know, and uh, we still have to put, you know, somebody there to watch over them. And uh, I think that's always a concern. I remember as a kid, they were talking about automated this and having robot stock shelves and that kind of stuff. You know, I guess it could work. It's worked in other parts of the country. Um, I, I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 50 this coming week and or this weekend. And I'm thinking I've been in the business 32 years. I don't have a lot of time left in it. So I'm hoping that will still stay with tradition and keep people working. Um, that's the last thing we want is to not have people working and to go complete automation. But then again, it's like you said before in your earlier podcast, you know, you can't slow down growth. Growth is happening. Uh, changes are happening. Technology is happening. We can't stop it. So, um, yeah, I'm concerned about it. I'm concerned for my future and the future of these young employees who want to, who want to make it a career. Um, the grocery business can and still is a career. You can still make a decent living from it. Um, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? 
I don't care what store you're in. Not every store is going to go automated. The sprouts of the world aren't going to go all automated. They're going to be hiring for people. Um, the Amazon Fresh is going to hire for people. They're obviously a non-union competitor. It'd be great if the union fought and made them a union company. Then they'd be a sister company that we can rally behind. Um, you know, it's obviously Walmart's are going to continue to hire people, you know, for nickel and dimes, you know, I mean, for whatever they pay them. Um, and they're going to still make their billions upon billions of dollars. I don't think that's going to end anytime soon. I think they're still going to have people in the stores and there's still going to be a lot of people in the stores. I think the only thing that's really going to be automated is your front end. I don't think they're going to need checkers, but you're going to need people to put a product on the shelf. Yeah, for sure. But I think if, depending on how this all evolves, um, your people could become your strategic advantage that differentiates you from this kind of cold technology driven supermarket that potentially may be going in here in Poway. Yeah. I think a lot of older people um, in in our communities don't really like a lot of that tech savvy stuff. They just want you to take care of them when they come in. Yeah. When I, when I'm, when I become a lot older in about 20, 30 years, (laughs) if I'm, you know, 75, 80 years old, if I make it, you know, I don't want to be messing with technology. It's bad yeah. enough people don't want to mess with cell phones at that age. They don't want to mess with the pin pads at the, at the ATM. They used to have, you know, they gave their old MasterCard from back in the day. And, they, you know, the custom, you know, the checkers <laughs> would do this and send you on your way. You yeah. know? I mean, yeah, uh, technology is great. Don't get me wrong. I think te- technology is awesome. There's definitely a huge place for it. You know, we, we need it nowadays. But I also think that. There's an even bigger place to have that personal interaction with people. Yeah. I think as a society, we're getting more and more away from that. And it's really sad because look at everybody who's got a cell phone nowadays. Their face is in it. They hardly ever look up. I see people walking with their cell phone. They're not even looking where they're going <laughs> half the time. <laughs> and it's like, you know, they, 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 I think our communication skills are going by the wayside a lot of, in a lot of cases because I don't think enough people are doing this. I mean, they are. You, you see people conversating in but restaurants. It's, less. it's, it's less. It is. Yeah. Uh, especially our kids. Oh God. Yeah. <clears throat> you know. Yeah. So, but that. But but I, I get what, I get what he's saying, and and uh, and I can appreciate the feedback. I, I love that kind of feedback, and even though it's a little bit, you know, if some of the feedback is a little bit on the hard side, I can accept that because you know these guys are customers too. Yeah. You know, their wives or their families are customers. They shop in our stores or they shop at competitors. And, you know, unless you've actually laced up my shoes and got in there and did what I do, you don't really understand it until you actually have a conversation with somebody that works in the industry. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and it's not an easy industry. John, I got aches and pains. I don't even know in the next five years how I'm going to be able to do it. I mean, just schlepping <clears throat> all all those boxes of inventory and yeah, moving them around. I mean, that's, that's hard on your knees, everything. hard on your back. Everything. And my wife gives me a hard time about it when I complain about that kind of stuff. You know, and, and rightly so, because she's been with me for almost 30 years. And I've been complaining about it for for <laughs> 30 plus years. And, and you know, but you know what? I appreciate it. I really do. And, and believe it or not, um, again, the aches and pains. Yeah. Okay. That comes with the territory. I've accepted that. I accepted that this is what I'm going to do until I'm an old man, until I decide to retire um, or I can't do it anymore. And it is what it is. If I was a construction worker, I'd be complaining about that. If I was in yeah. sales, I'd be complaining about sales. <laughs> or, or something, you know. It'd be, it'd, be, it'd be whatever. But, you know, at the end of the day, you have to have a passion for what you do. Am I passionate about my job? I'm passionate about the people. Uh, you know, I, I, I do like what I do. But for me, as a people person, it's a 
buffet. You know, I walk into the store. It's showtime. It's like, who am I going to meet today? It's you know, showtime, it, baby. It is. <laughs> when I'm back there with my team, yeah. I am I am goofing with them. I'm having fun with them. And there's times where I'm intense. And they know not to talk to me if I'm having a rough one. But for the most part, the way my demeanor is now is what is what you see is what you get almost all the time. But depending on my day, if I'm having a if I had a falling out with my off specialist or my store director or a fellow employee, oh yeah, or something like that, or it, whatever, I'm human, so maybe I had an issue at home or something else is bothering me and I'm stressed out. Especially my backup, you know, my backup Adriana is awesome. If you ever go in the store, short Mexican gal, she she wears her <laughs> hat and got a little ponytail. She's an absolute phenom. She's this big, but she can work. Everybody that works in that store under the table. And I, I got good people that can work hard there. Good for she you. She is. An, I, I would be. What's her name again? Adriana. Adriana. Yeah, she's awesome. So oh, she's awesome. Yeah. If I don't see you in the store. I'll look for Adriana. Go talk to her. She's 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 amazing. So okay. she's an absolute. I mean, she's like I said, she's a little tiny thing, but she is an absolute beast out there. She she takes pride in her job. You want to see what a good looking produce department looks like? Look at. Look at my produce department. She usually gets there at 4 o'clock in the morning. Walk in there at 6 a.m., 6, 7 o'clock after she's cold the department, which means went through it, got rid of the bad stuff, and straightened yeah. it out, trimmed everything up. Look at her wet rack. She does my wet rack. And then she she straightens out the rest of the tables in the department. She's amazing. So you walk in there. And, and my team, most of my team is like that. I could put my other guys on there. I have another guy who's going to be 71 years old. He's been in the business 51 years. Oh, wow. A veteran. Yeah. He does my wet rack when she's not there. Okay. And he's my other wet rack guy. He's been doing it forever since before I've been born, right? It's <laughs> 69 or whatever. I mean, yeah. we, we got him a cake and everything for his 50th anniversary, you know? Um, he does an amazing job in the rack, too. He's very detailed. He's very old school. Adriana's our young, my youngest on my team, and she's in her late 30s. She's the baby. The rest of us are, are old guys have been around a long time. <laughs> my, my two older guys, one's 70, going to be 71. The other guy's is late 50s. I'm going to be 50. And my other girl that I have on my team, um, she's amazing, too. Well, my, like I told you, my best friend, Millie, one of yeah. my best friends. And she is, you know, she's in her mid-40s. And they're, they kill it. So I'm actually, I'm, when I talk about my team, I'm real proud of them. because yeah, I can But tell. I also have my fresh-made team, too. That, um, you know, they do their part, try to get the bowls all squared away. This isn't an easy industry to stay up on every day. You know, to, 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 the tasks are hard. And I have uh, certain, you know, certain expectations because I know my store director has expectations when he mm-hmm. walks the department. He came from produce. So imagine being a produce manager with a store manager that came from produce and went up the ranks from produce. Oh, so he so knows. now he's looking at every detail. Hey, how come you didn't move that around? Yeah. How come you didn't fix that? And how can you do that? I'm like. Yeah, you yeah. just go on vacation again. <laughs> just go on vacation. We'll take care of this. Are you are you a fan of the Foo Fighters? Uh, the group. Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. rock oh, band. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what's that guy's name? Is it Taylor Hawkins, the drummer? I don't remember. I, I always thought he had the toughest job in rock and roll because Dave Grohl is the front man, and he was the drummer for Nirvana. Yeah, so that's he, right. So it's kind of like your situation as a produce guy with your, with your boss that came up through the ranks. Mm-hmm. He's always like... He he's passionate about what you do, right? Which is good and bad, I guess, right? We have a good relationship, and you know we have our moments. And I fight him because I'm stubborn. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm half Sicilian. It's, it's my job to be that way. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also I I have a lot of pride, and and I don't let anybody push me around. I tend to be wherever I go. I tend to try. I tend to take the alpha role, and I I 
even though I'm not the store director, he's I have his back 100%. Right. Of course. He, my job has always been since I was 17 years old in this industry is to take care of my boss. Yeah, my, of course. My leader or the store manager. And I've always taken that I've always taken that approach. Um because I just felt like he's the coach. I'm the player. If I mess up, <laughs> yeah. it's on me. It's not on the not on the coach. Yeah. We were just talking about this today with somebody at work. I said basically, if when I talked about in team form, and it was he was my my frozen food guy. Okay, Phil. He's awesome. He's he's a really neat guy. We talk and chat a, a lot about about real life stuff and and business, mostly business because our things are changing at the store. Right. And I basically said, look, man, you know, our store director, he's the coach, but it's not his fault if we drop the ball. It's our fault. But the coach always gets the blame for it. So how is that right for for him to take the blame when we should be taking that blame and owning it? You know, just because you might not be happy with the coach and how he's coaching the team, right? You may hate your coach. He may be the worst coach ever. But if I don't go out and still perform for the fans, the customers. The customers, yeah. Right? That's a good analogy. If I don't go out and perform every day and give my customers and my fans what they deserve, then I'm doing them a disservice because they're coming in and spending their money. Yeah. They're coming in buying concessions. They're buying the groceries. They're coming in for the experience. They want to see what you have to offer. They want to see that it's showtime when they walk in that door that you're ready to go. You have exactly what they need. They're not. You're not waiting on a load. You're not waiting on your team to get ready. You're 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 when that door opens, we're we're finishing up. We're finishing up the final touches on getting your store looking ready for you. So when you walk in there, this is why I shop here. This is why I come to the game. You know, this is why. That's this a great exactly analogy. why. So I don't put that blame on my store manager as much as I'd like to sometimes and and, and get on him about certain stuff. That he is my mentor and he's been mentoring me ever since I took over the produce department because I'm a grocery guy. I worked night crew for many years. I stocked shelves, but I've carried keys for many years. I've had many management roles. I ran a dairy box. I ran a night crew. I've ran pros department. Probably the three most impactful parts of the store I've ran other than meat department. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I've done it pretty much all, you know, I've, I've ran, I've ran the front end. I've done everything. So, uh, that's given me the experience. I need to realize you want to put things in, in perspective for people you know, you, you show them in the way I just showed you. Yeah. Well, that's great that you have that perspective that it's showtime and the fans are the customers. Yep. I mean, this kind of goes back to your football days, right? You're talking about a yeah, coach and yeah. a player dropping the ball. Yeah. Let's get to a couple more questions here right. on the live stream. Uh, so where do we leave off? Um, I think it was here. This is a Mike polite question. Um, again, Guys talking amongst each other here. Yuri, Albertsons and other grocers are at a crossroads right now. They can hold on to the way things are, or they can go the way of Blockbuster, <laughs> Blockbuster Video. Or they can innovate and drive their costs down while increasing value. We spend way less today on Netflix subscriptions than we did renting videos from Blockbuster. So... Moving along from Pete. So, Mike, Ryan, you prefer customers that drop $100 to $200 at the checkout over those of us uh, that use the 15 items or less for $25 or $30 a visit? <laughs> do, you, do you have a preference? No, because I think every dollar spent in the store is important. Right. So that, that, that means that 
Well, how, I mean, how do you how do you answer that? Because every customer who spends a dollar, that was just an example I was giving you. So yeah, you have an yeah. idea of what 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 we're thinking as retailers and what we're making on sales. Yeah, the same twenty bucks is is gonna is gonna net me what I don't know what thirty percent of twenty dollars is maybe five bucks, four bucks. Six I don't bucks. know, six, six bucks. bucks. Yeah, okay. So yeah. Um, it's that customer who who is on a fixed income who can only afford to spend you know a couple dollars. That customer is still important to me. They make no difference whether you are a multimillionaire shopping in my store and buying $2,000 in liquor for your party, or you're just a guy <laughs> coming in there buying a box of cat food and um, some peanut butter for yourself for, for, and a loaf of bread. That, right. to me, that's how I lived my life growing up. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, not, you know I mean, I, I grew up from very, very meager beginnings. So, yeah, absolutely. You... You're just as important as anybody else. Your, your your dollar means just as you spend a buck in my store on a candy bar. That's still you're still spending. You chose my store to spend that dollar in. So absolutely, um, the fact that you walk into my store and patronize my patron my store that doesn't mean I think of you any less than anybody spends one hundred to two hundred dollars. Well, besides the, the guy that's going to spend twenty five or thirty bucks in the fifteen items or less line. They're going to keep coming back multiple times. Well, yeah. I mean, because, I mean, <laughs> yeah. he's a guy. I mean, yeah. I mean, does he really need to spend $100 on groceries, especially if he's a single guy? I mean, a lot of guys will just buy just what they need for the day, and they'll come back the next day. We have customers come in two, three times a day. But that that used to be the, the, the old-fashioned way with grocery stores, right, mm-hmm. where people would get the fresh product that day and make dinner that day. They still do it. Yeah. Well, John, we live in uh, – I mean, my store is an RB. So we have customers who are in their 70s and 80s that come in and they buy they buy very few items. They buy one or two bananas. They won't buy a bunch because their kids are all they don't have any kids at the house. And and then when they buy their groceries, they buy it that day because they're going to make the dinner that day. Yeah. And they'll, I'll see you tomorrow, Mike. OK. All right. Yeah, cool. It's all part of the routine. And they come in. Yeah. I, they come the next day. They're buying groceries for the next day. There's a lot of people who are old school that shop, shop there and have old school values. And That's they cool. still cook in the, they still in the kitchen cooking from scratch. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's it's cool. Yeah, I really enjoy it. All right, let's go down the list here uh, from from Mike here on this live stream. So, Mike, uh, with all that knowledge, what's stopping you from opening a grocery outlet franchise? I stopped short of buying into one because I know little about grocery as a whole. You ever thought about that? You know, I was talking to my wife about maybe having my own business someday, you know, but when I pull away from the grocery industry, what we, what would we do if we had some money, um, saved up and we decided, you know, let's go ahead and invest in ourselves. Let's yeah. open up our own business. Yeah. I, I thought about opening up an auto shop. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where Khalid and I were talking about that. And, um, you know, we, we, we do very well financially together and it's like, you know, okay, so the tax man hasn't been that nice to us lately. <laughs> so right. we're thinking to ourselves, well, in the future, maybe we should open up something that's a nice write off. Um, it'll be our own baby, our own business. But then you start thinking about it and it's like, well, I feel like there'd be a lot more stress in running your own business in my twilight years, you know, than, than if I just worked for somebody else, and let them deal with all the headaches. I still have a lot of headaches because I run my department, but I don't run my entire store and I don't own it. It doesn't say Mike's groceries over the building. It says Albertsons. And, you know, that's a great question. I appreciate the input on that. Thank you very much for saying that. Um, I think I could. 
And my wife would obviously do the books because I'd be lost. I'd have to count on my toes to figure everything. <laughs> my shoes would be off all day long because yeah. I'd be figuring things out. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm just an old, you know, broken down night crew guy, grocery guy, and um, who just has a strong work. Who's, you know, ha- I have a strong work ethic. I, 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 I want to do a good job every day. I'm there. Um, I'm older now. My body's taking a beating, so I'm not out there, you know, doing working like I used to. Um, but I still give up my best when I'm there, you know? So yeah, that's been a discussion that that's been on my mind before. I just don't see that as being something I would like to do because I think the headaches would outweigh the joy of having your own business. Yeah. It's, it's not easy. Um, but you know, every career path has its pros and cons. Um, but I, I'm enjoying this conversation because I think we're learning a lot about, you, Mike, you know, and how you go about your business and how the grocery industry works. And I think the other interesting part of this conversation and why we have so many comments on the live stream is that we all can relate to grocery shopping because we all go to grocery stores. Exactly. You know, so this is a really interesting discussion. It's got a couple more comments here. This is from Mike. He says, tech adverse consumers are a niche market and traditional grocers can serve them well for years. And then he goes on to say, I, I can tell Mike and I would work well together. He's got softball dad energy. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, yeah, yeah, I, um, well, that's a fun, it's funny that he said that because he's, he's on the money. Um, softball dad, probably I'd be that guy. I'd be that guy that stands who just like raw for the kids kind yeah. of deal. Well, I actually coached Tommy a couple times when he played soccer and I'm very, Believe it or not, <laughs> I'm very vocal. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I'm a big dude, so I'm out there and I'm like, yo, come on, come on, let's go, let's go. You know, <laughs> run over here, run over there. You know, and I'm, I'm giving kids instructions where, you know, a lot of parents who are coaching the teams are kind of like more passive. Yeah. And then you got this guy out here who's like, you know, I'm like next day I'm like, come on, brother. You know, like, I'm to, like I'm like a Hulk out on somebody. I'm like, what are you doing, little man? You know, and they're, you know, and, and I get my wife, it's my wife in the stands and she's just like shaking her head, you know, and I'd had people come after me after games when I coached my son's game. And, and they're like, man, you're like Hulk Hogan out there, man. I'm like, you're dealing with six, seven year old, five, six, seven year old kids. They see their shadow and they're chasing it. You right, know, right. they see a little dandelion in the, popping through the AstroTurf and they want to pick it out of the ground versus the soccer ball is running right by. And you know, so it's like they have very short attention span. So mm-hmm. you, you try to give them loud, but sharp, you know, uh, command. So they're like, Oh, Oh, there's the ball. <laughs> You've seen it. The kids, oh, I, mean, yeah. I think our kids played together. Yeah, they uh, did. They played soccer together and, and they, they played basketball together. They did. Um, yeah, man, that was, that was a lot of fun. And of course I was very, uh, vocal out there in the stands and, and I loved it cause it was, that's just who I am. I was yeah. like that when I played sports, um, when I took martial arts, they always liked it cause I had a loud kiop when I would do my kiosk. Like, yeah. You know, and, <laughs> and I, and I always had the wrestler voice, you know, I, I imitated wrestlers growing up and, and they always liked it. I still do that work today and I'm going to be 50. You know, I have a buddy that we <laughs> banner wrestling with and talk wrestling all the time at work. You know, work doesn't have to just be work. Work, work, you, you, you are, work is work when you're out there doing your job out in the public eye and everything like that. But behind the scenes, you know, we're also building each other up too. Um, It doesn't matter if you are in a, 
white collar atmosphere, blue collar atmosphere, um, whether you're military or whatever background you are, um, whether you're an essential worker or a first responder, you kind of have an obligation as an individual to build people up. And I feel, I feel if you're working around a team of people, um, you know, I think each one of you have an, has an obligation to have that person's back or have that person's, um, you know, emotional stability in your in your hands kind of deal because you guys are working together. Right. You're going to have your ups and downs. You're going to have your arguments. You know, I not perfect, obviously, and I've had falling outs of people at, at work and I try to make good on that stuff. And sometimes you can and sometimes you can't. But at the other day, my job is to try to make it a great day. And I know it's a cliche statement. I hate using that statement at times. And I shouldn't use that word either. Hate, but you know, um, but I, I think making every day the best day possible for you, whether you're at work at home Mm -hmm. or in your car or shopping yourself um, is important because I don't think there's enough I feel like compassion has gone to the wayside. And I think being in the industry that I'm in has helped me be more compassionate to people's needs. Now there's days where I don't want to deal with anybody. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I mean, it's because <laughs> yeah. you get that one bad customer that, that comes in and just, just kneels you or is rude to you. And it's like, you know what? Listen, I work very hard every day. My team works very hard every day to put this place together. And just that one thing you just said just kind of ruined it. You shouldn't let one person ruin your day, but you can have a hundred great people. Hey, patting you on the back, great job. And that one customer comes in and just blows you out of the water. But cause, cause it's like, it chops away at your pride a little bit. Yeah. It's one of those things where if you have, if you're working and you're doing a job, you know, it's like in your business, you know, if somebody uh, browbeats you over it and says you're no good, it kind of deal. It's like, well, it kind of, it kind of, yeah, it's the meaning. It's just, it just feels, you just, yeah, it tears you down. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how retail is, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, you, you're always going to have that crazy customer who's irrational oh. and goes off the hook. Yeah. Um, but, you know, hopefully those are the exception to the rule. You still, regardless of that, how, 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 in your mind, how bad that customer is in your mind, you still have to give that customer. Tell me the know, craziest customer story you've ever had. Oh, God. Just something, I something I nuts. I, I have, I have, oh, boy. Well. <laughs> There's been, well, there's, I, well, I grew up in East San Diego, you know that, down yeah, City yeah. Heights. And that's where I started. I cut yeah. my teeth down there. We've had customers fight with us there at the store. We have people steal from us and getting a big all, all out fights. And it's just a, a, a mess. But I can tell you this one story that I feel really proud about. Um, we had this customer, and I don't know if I told you this story before, but I was working at Albertsons at Claremont. It's right before the strike. This is back in 2002, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Uh, early 2000, and had a customer that would come in. And she never smiled. She was an attractive lady, but just just never really smiled because I think she felt like the environment just was not pleasing to her. And I heard a checker and a bagger talk about this lady when she came and she goes, oh my God, now this lady's here and she's rude. She's, she's, never, she's never nice to us when she comes in. And and, you know, look, she never smiles. She's just, I can't stand her. Yada, yada, they're going off, right? And I was a closing manager. I was a fourth key at the time. And it was my job to make sure that when you come into my store that I take care of you. Someone who's probably watching this podcast down the line would probably say, I, work, I remember that guy. He was a jerk, you know? Like I said, I'm, I'm only human, right? I'm, right I make right, mistakes. But right. 
I made it my point to open up my check stand for her. I mean, make sure she came down my line. So she came down my line and I, she wanted triple paper and triple plastic bags. This is why they, they couldn't stand her, right? Because triple paper? It was ridiculous. It was what like paper bags. Okay. Three of them. Oh, three bags. And three plastic bags. So it was six layers? Yeah. For the one bag. For for the groceries, yeah, yeah. For one bag. For that's one set. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's like industrial strength right there. Well, she probably was using them for trash or whatever she was yeah, using them yeah, for. There so, you go. but instead of making her feel uncomfortable and 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 giving her a smirk or giving her attitude, I had a smile on my face. Before she she started loading up her groceries, I started packing the bags. She saw me putting the bags exactly how she wanted to. Her face. Yeah. You should have seen it, John. It was awesome. Yeah. This woman had a, would always have a just like a blank stare on her face. Just She smiled. She was like, oh, my God, thank you. Thank you so much. See, thank this, you. Is, this is the thank personal so touch. Much. Yeah, this is good. Oh, man. I'm getting a little, a little emotional. Sorry. <laughs> but the smile on her face was like, like winning the lottery. Yeah. You know, like, um, I like your first child being born. You're like, I was just overcome with emotion because you took the time out to give them what they were looking for that they didn't have before. And all of a sudden, boom, just that little piece woke her up. Her smosh, beautiful, beautiful lady. Nice. It was like, you don't know how beautiful somebody is until they actually smile. Yeah. You know, when they say, you know, you should smile more, you're much, you're much more handsome when you smile. And they used to say that to me, too, because I always had a scowl on my face. When you see me, I'm always kind of a blank unless I'm talking with somebody that I'm very animated like we are right now. Right. What you see right here, my hands moving around, everything talking. <laughs> that's how I am every day. It's the Sicilian. Exactly. <laughs> that's how I am. And, and people know so. Well, your hands are always moving. Well, that's kind of in my blood. Right. And I, I just that's how we talk. We talk with our hands. But that lady, for me, that was probably by far my greatest experience with dealing with a customer that was that other other employees thought was difficult. They're not difficult if you give them what they want. Mm. It's that simple. And that's really the reason you're there, right? We're in the business to give our customers what they need and what yeah, they want. Right. Standout service, good customer service, a smile, a hello, a goodbye, or thank you. Yeah. You know, regardless if they answer us back, our job is to make sure we kill them with kindness, regardless of what their background is. We don't know them personally. We don't know what they're going through every day. We don't know if they lost a loved one. We don't know if they lost their job. We don't know if they, you know, what's going on in their household, mm -hmm. right? But darn, if I'm not going to try to make their experience with me um, anything less than, you know, stellar, I'm going to try to give them the, I'm going to try to give them my personality. And a lot of times with these grocery stores, and you see it, you know, at the surveys and things like that, you know, because they want us to push surveys. I'm not a survey pusher. I may ask somebody from time to time if I know them well enough. Hey, do you mind when you go home, just do a survey for us so that way, you know, they get us off, get them off our back a little bit, you know, yeah. so that way, because everybody does surveys. Right. Everybody does them. Auto mechanics, I mean, the big dealerships, everybody does it. We're going to send you an email, just fill out the survey, you know, give us, give us all fives. If we don't get, if we get less than a five, we fail type yeah. of deal, you know. Um, but the surveys to me takes the, takes my, what I've worked hard for out of the equation because now it's not personal anymore. Now I'm kind of throwing my business in there. Right. It's like, I'm like, well, 
I, you know, my business wants me to do this. My, my company wants me to do this. And it's like, well, now it's kind of like, now you're going the business aspect. I don't want that. I want to give you me genuinely and tell you, Hey, I'm going to give you the best I can give you. And then when you leave, you know, I want you to sit there and go, dang, I really like, I really like interacting with Mike. He goes out of his way to help me get what I need. And he doesn't try to push anything on me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a salesman. I'm a retailer. We sell, we sell product. But I don't want to be a salesperson. I want to be a person you come to when you need something, yeah. and I take care of you with the product that I have. Right, and that's that's the end, at the end of the day. And I want somebody. I want to be somebody that's your friend. You see outside of work, your kids who I've known since they were little, and all of a sudden now I see them. They're in high school, or they're working for me someday. Oh, that's Mr. Mike. That's the guy. He used to sit me on his his produce cart when I was little and push yeah. me around the store, which I've done. Those are the kind of relationships I like to build with people in these stores. Some people, some supervisors or some store directors may not like that because I, I spent a little extra time speaking with these customers, but I'm building relationships. Guess what? They're not going to go to Amazon Fresh. No. no they're not going to go down to right. Sprouts. Exactly. They're not going to go to the Vons up the street. Right. They they're going to come to the Albertsons. Yes. Why? Because of the way they're getting treated. At yes. the end of the day, John, after everything we spoke about, it's about how you're treated by the people that you, you were at the store you shop at. Right. And that's at the end of the day, people look, I have people tell me, well, I shop at the Walmart because, you know, their milk is two ninety nine, and at the Albertsons, it's like three forty nine or whatever. I'm thinking to myself or at Vons, it's it's three ninety nine. I could get it for two ninety nine at Walmart. I'm thinking, well, well, you have a Vons that's literally three blocks up the street from where you live. But you're going to drive three, four miles to the Walmart just because their milk is cheaper. Because overall, you think their prices are cheaper. Guess what you spent in gas and time driving over there? Right. So, I mean, look at gas prices now. They're over well over $4 a gallon. And if you think you're going to drive three, four, five miles down the road to save a couple of dollars, mm-hmm. and like, well, I walk out of there at your store with a bag. And over here, I walk out with three bags. I'm going, okay, well, you're going to pay for it somewhere else. Right? I mean, at the end of the day. So, but how is your experience there? Well, they're, for, they're nice enough. For the pricing, they're nice enough. I'm like, well, I don't give you nice enough. I'm going to give you the best that I can give you every day. And that's the kind of experience I want you to have when you walk into the store. See, this this is how you guys will combat a fully automated store, is with that level of customer service. I think so. Yeah. This is great. I got a bunch. How long are we going on this podcast now? We're we're like at an hour and a half. Holy moly. We've got more I want to get into. Uh, <laughs> but that's the great thing about podcasts. There are no time limits. I, I, here's a grocery question I wanted to ask you. Have you gone to the new Aldi store in Poway? <clears throat> Have not. Have you ever been in an Aldi? Nope. I, I went to the one in Escondido, and it's a very <clears throat> different experience. It's kind of warehouse-ish. There's a mishmash of products, that, and I guess the products change a lot. The checkout is a little bit different. Um, I, go, I, I'd be interested in your thoughts on that if you um, get a chance to I'm visit. I'm going to check it out because... You know, a lot of these stores, I don't have, I don't really have any desire to go into because I'm such a supporter of union companies. Um, I, I haven't been into the Walmart. We could just in be forever. a spy, you know. You just yeah, go in there no, and look no, around, you know. No, and, and, and that would be great, you know. Yeah. I, I, I don't have a problem with that. My, it's funny you say that because my boss um, said, "Hey, you live in Poway, right?" I said, "Yeah." He's driven me home before. He goes, "Any chance you're going to go by that new construction where they're going to put the Aldis and the Harbor Freight at?" I said, yeah. "I can." Because it could be on my way home if I went down Palmerado and made the left, you know. 
He goes, well, you mind going over and taking some pictures and texting them to me? I said, what do you want me to take pictures? You know, front, behind, you know, just kind of so we can get a look at it. So, yeah, I took some pictures and, you know, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I'm allowed to disclose that but i just think it's, well, it's taking just, pictures it's just a picture i'm it's just a, taking pictures and yeah. sharing it because yeah. you know they love they want to see what the new construction looks like they want to see what the new the competition is going to have to yeah. offer but they're so far away and aldi's isn't a threat it's it's a very <clears throat> niche store kind of, of course it's got its own little fan base but it's yeah it's not a competitive but threat. you know what's cool is that you know when you go to these stores and i didn't even even think twice about going down to um, Atlas when they were open. It was just not even in, in my radar. Um, but Aldi's I'll check out. Um, you know, I've been to the Sprout stores. I hardly ever go. I, I go to Stater Brothers. Stater Brothers is, is one of the stores that I frequent when I'm not at work. If I have to go get that's something. that's the one closest to your it's house. the one closest to the house. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, they closed my Vons or they closed our Vons down in Poway. And for years and years and years, I never shopped there until my wife started shopping there. But that's the Aldi Harbor Freight now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what I do is I, I go into the stores and I start looking at how they set their aisles up. I look at their produce department, how it looks. I look at the quality of the product and I've taken pictures at uh, uh, stores I'm not going to mention, and, and I've shared it with my backup Adriana because yeah. her husband works uh, for a competitor as well. He used to work for us, but he left the company. He's working for another competitor, and he's a produce manager there. And I know him really well. He's a good guy, and um, so we we compare a lot of notes, ads. We talk about ads, and she gets the ads, and she breaks them down. She looks at stuff like that. I don't pay attention, and I probably should because I want to see what they got going on. Um, but what I do is I'll take pictures of product and I'll send it to her. I'm going, oh, my God, I'm over here at this such and such store. Look at their produce. Look at what they're selling. And, yeah, it's 99 cents a pound for an apple where we're selling them for $1.49, $1.69. But look at the quality versus theirs. Look at their avocados. They're this big and our avocados are bigger. We have the extra large ones and we have the large ones. And ours are, you know, they might be. Theirs might be a dollar or buck twenty five, and ours are a dollar ninety nine, but our quality is better. So it's kind of like you look at that and you're going, well, at the end of the day, if people only have a dollar to spend, like we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. then they may just buy that quality of product because that's what they can afford to buy. I get it. I understand all but that. Customers understand <clears throat> the difference in quality, right? Yeah, absolutely. They probably tell you every day. Yeah. Every day they're they're looking. At, I have had customers say, "Man, you know, you guys are kind of slipping." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> Straight out, hey then, man, you're slipping. And I got, I got, I got offended. I was like, I was like kind of pissed off. I was like, yeah. what? I go, what do you mean? Yeah, right. You know, yeah, and I yeah. start getting offended. Yeah. I go, what do you mean slipping? He goes, well, you know, I'm noticing some of the the organic stuff over here is looking pretty bad. You know, and I'm like, you know what? You're you're absolutely right. The quality hasn't been good right now on some of this product. And if I would have caught that right away, I would have pulled that. And yeah. it's one of the things that we just missed. And yeah. you know, I apologize for it. You guys thought the product I saw end up being one of the nicest guys. You know, after after a couple after a couple interactions, I know him by name. He was in yesterday. I think he was in. Yeah, yesterday he was in with his kid. I've never seen his any of his kids. He's like, hey, Mike. I'm like, hey, Jonathan, what's up, man? You know, talk yeah. to him and um, really neat guy. I hadn't seen him for a while when the pandemic went down. But, you know, people people and at RB people will point that stuff out. They have no filter. They'll tell you exactly what's on their mind, which is it's good because you want to be on top of your game. Yeah, of course. I'm not going to sell a person a bad product. If I left an apple with a, a nasty, well, uh, you know, bruise on it or something yeah. like that, it looked terrible. Yeah, it's spoiled. I want to know about it because I want to get it out of there. Right. Thank, 
Thank you for showing that to me. We missed it when we were calling the department this morning, but thank you for pointing that out. I'll get it off the floor. Is there anything else I can do for you? Good job. You know, because that's that's what we're in the business to do. And I'll tell people straight out, if they ask me about cantaloupe at this time of the year or something, and it's looking kind of rough, I'm like, don't buy the cantaloupe right now. It's not the right season. It's just not the yeah. season for it. Yeah. Come back in June. <laughs> but I'll offer them a honeydew. But I'll offer them something different. Yeah. Because I want them to have a good experience. I don't want them ever leaving the store. Very rarely do I have people come back and say, oh, that was awful. Most of the time, hey, thanks for the recommendation. It worked out okay. And if it was bad, I tell them straight up, if you don't like it, you come and see me on Mike. I'm the produce manager. I'll take care of you. I'll either refund you your money or I'll get you something different. I'll I'll just I'll just give it to you. Mm-hmm. You know, because and it's not we're not in the business to give stuff away. But if they purchase something, it was bad. Go get a refund on that modern melon. I'll give you another melon or something like that, just because it's only a couple bucks. And at the end of the day, a couple of dollars to a customer is is a big deal if you're going out of your way to make sure that they're happy. So and that's kind of what we're in the business to do is to make customers satisfied or have yeah. customers be satisfied with our product. We want to sell a bad product. Do you want to sell a bad car? Believe me, there's a lot of them out there. A lot of brand new cars that aren't aren't being made very well. I got a lot of mechanic friends. You're talking to somebody in the grocery industry, right? I can sit down. You can sit down with my buddies as a mechanic, and they can go on a long spiel about this automotive maker. And we got, you know, who is it? Is it it Pete? Pete's the Corvette guy. Okay, so Pete's a car guy, right? Yeah. I've seen Pete on here before. And Mike's a car guy, too. Okay, so we're all car guys, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But these guys know farewell just like I do. And Pete races, right? Yeah. Okay. I used to do auto crossing too with my cars and mm-hmm. then Qualcomm's all closed down. So, you know, I've always wanted to take my Z out on the track and um, I've never had a chance to do that. But but asking these guys about their opinions on car stuff and things like that, and, and they're going to give you an honest opinion about this stuff is junk. Yeah. You know, I mean, you could talk about some of the domestic car makers, some of the you know European car makers or Asian car makers, and you can see uh, changes over the years when they went from metal to plastic on stuff. You know, I mean, it's just so that's the same thing with the industry I'm in. You know, the quality of product is wherever we're getting it from at that time. And if it's not good quality, I tend not to try to put it on the shelf, but I try to sell some of it if yeah, I can. You got to deal with it. It's what you're given. <laughs> But then you just next time you don't order from them, you, you find another provider. But right? the, pro- the problem is, is we're such we're we're big. We're not small potatoes like like uh, the smaller companies like uh, um, um, like the Sprouts or whatever. So, they have so you're dependent growth. on your supply chain, right? It's it's a big it's big. We, we go big companies, uh, big, yeah. big growers, big farms, things like that. Thing people that give it to us in volume. It's not uncommon for us to get a stack of strawberries and maybe have a few of those cases be from a different grower. You know, or it could be from well-picked and another grower, um, let's say, I'd make up a name like Anderson's Nursery or something like that, Anderson's Farms or whatever. And um, because they have a couple different growers in the plant, well, I need 20 cases. They gave me 15 from well-picked and they gave me whatever they had left left over from this other pallet. Right. It's strawberries, but they also, the quality is different too. <laughs> you know, different yeah. farms have different qualities. Yeah. Either smaller um, or bigger. And, you know, it just if you look at the quality of strawberries from from one company to the next. Oh, well, this is one company. I'm used to buying it from them. But there's a different one. Could be smaller, darker, could be larger, lighter. Are, are you a Seinfeld fan? Yeah. Do you, yeah. Have you ever when, when, when Kramer goes and gets the Mackinac peaches? Have you ever seen those episodes? I don't remember that. I don't yeah, and he goes, oh, this, they're only good for two weeks. Yes, the Mackinac exactly. peaches. Exactly. Yeah, you know, and they're the greatest thing ever. They, they just It's like an orgasm in your in your mouth. <laughs> Cantaloupes. June. 
just so everybody knows out there, <laughs> the best time of year to buy a cantaloupe is the first couple of weeks of June. I think it is for middle of June, somewhere around there, where they come in that nice, they're big and yeah. nice golden look, and you can smell them as you walk up. Um, it's 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 amazing. You walk up to the table and you can you can actually smell them. We're going to be getting the peaches and nectarines here pretty soon too. They're coming into season, so yeah, yeah. We we know full well about you know what that stuff tastes like, and we know the windows on that stuff. You yeah, know? you well, ask it. me all the time. Oh, what season is that? And even me had been a post manager for a while. I still forget sometimes. Oh yeah, it's I a, Google. It's a complicated calendar. All those different products. Yeah. Hey, I, I want to get to Poway News. Okay. But before we do, I just want to go through and see if there's any more grocery questions because it's been loading up. There's a lot more commentary here, and um, let's see here. It's from Pete Neal. I missed the first part of the podcast because I was out shopping at Stater Brothers, Sprouts, and Walmart. I had to go to all three. Because not one of them carries the products I want. Mm-hmm. I would like to have my tastes in one store. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But, you know, not all of us carry all everything. We, we yeah. carry everything as far as essentially what you need. We carry hair care products and food products and everything else in between. Um, but, you know, Walmart just carries you know, like Walmart's and Targets just carry a lot of cool stuff. You know, they yeah. carry a lot of things that, you know, like bike stuff or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, um, electronics. Clothing. I mean, I mean we, lots of stuff. Yeah. We used to do that back in the old days. Back in the food basket days, we used to sell clothes mm-hmm. on racks. Uh-huh. It, it, it was very tacky looking. You know, we're a grocery store. We carry the essentials. Shampoos, yeah. toothpaste, um, Band-Aids. You know, edibles, box goods, that kind of stuff, fresh products. You know, we carry everything that you would absolutely need. But if you have preferences on certain things, we're not going to carry every every grocery store you go into. They carry something that another store doesn't carry. Yeah. Well, they probably do that on purpose. <clears throat> yeah. You know, just to, yeah. to be the old exclusive provider of it. Yep. Uh, Pete goes on to say, uh, by the way, at Walmart, when I come home, uh, there is always somebody else. There's somebody there that wants to talk about Calypso, his Corvette. Um, Stater, at Stater Brothers, it's a 50-50 shot. Sprout's never one person. Yeah, yeah. those those uh, those healthy shoppers yeah, don't they, care. They don't, they don't want your pollute machine even yeah. in the parking lot yeah. when they're walking out. They're, they're all driving EVs or Volkswagen buses. You, you know? know, it's funny. When I, drive, when I drive my Z, not, I mean, when I drive my Z, you know, my Z's white and has the red stripes on the yeah. side. That woke that car up when we put the red stripes on the side. Oh, yeah, that's sweet. Now, it just changed the whole outlook of the car. So now when I go anywhere, if I'm on the road or if I park anywhere, that car stands right out. Oh, yeah. And people sit there and they go, oh, man, what year is that? I'm like, 71. Oh, you know, my dad or I had one or this and that. Yeah. And I've been a Z guy since 97. So for 24 years, I've had, uh, you know, tons and tons of Z cars. And... It's a really neat experience when people actually walk up to you and tell you their story. And it's really cool because I get thumbs up on it. And I've had probably, what, 13 240s? 13? A, a 350Z, a 260Z, and a 280Z. Oh, my um, God. And, or maybe a 12. Your wife is a saint. <laughs> it got old with her after a while. Got old with her after a while. She's even stopped yeah. talking to me for about it for a while. And uh, we have two of them now, and one is for my son. You know, yeah. I, we talked about that one, I think, before. And we were supposed to do it. Well, one of these days, we'll do a sit-down, and, and maybe Pete wants to come join us. Um, we'll get the cars out and just talk about different the differences uh, and the stuff. That would actually be fun, a remote podcast 
we with could. the two cars side by side and having a discussion. Or we can do we can set up and do a live podcast. I mean, whatever. But yeah, uh, but yeah, you want to you want to touch on some other things though. Well, let's let, again just to make sure I get through all these comments here. Uh, Mike Polite says, uh, Mike. Uh, you ever catch yourself straightening up the produce section at other stores? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. I, 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 I'll play a little bit, but not much. You know, it's funny you touched on that. When my kids were little, um, you know, I don't know if you know this about me, John, but I, I tend to talk a lot. So, <laughs> so I'll yeah. go into a competitor store where yeah. I know some of the employees. And my kids, when they were little, oh, my God, it's so funny. I would be talking to somebody I saw in the store and know somebody. Well, Tommy and Sarah would run around and they would take the produce and they would stack it up on the scale. We were in a Sprouts one time. They took the produce, stacked it up on the scale like a pyramid. <laughs> I, wasn't paying, I wasn't paying attention. I'll, I'll take the blame for that one. And I had to go back and put everything back the way it was because my kids were getting real creative. I mean, look at them now. They're, they're both going to college. You know, yeah. uh, Sarah's going to college after this year and and they're you know they, they they're doing great so um i don't infringe on creativity but when it comes <laughs> to that i have to go and yeah so to answer your question um not just produce but if i'm walking down the grocery house because i have a strong grocery background i was raised in grocery um i came up the ranks through night crew and through management and then produce was later on for me um but dairy and all that stuff but yeah it's not uncommon for me to pull something off the shelf and then face it back up you know, yeah, instead of leaving yeah. a hole, I'll face it. I'll pull the cans forward or, right. or the milk forward or something like that. Right. It's just it's kind of OCD, right? You well, know, my gotta... wife and I first got married. We moved to our first house <laughs> yeah. in Poway. I we did all the grocery shopping. Right? I spent all this money on groceries. I had everything lined up. The labels were faced uh, and, the, yeah. and the pantry and everything. But not anymore. I just I throw things in there now. I don't even want to. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mike goes on to say, "Is I can't stand the small avocado." All right, okay. So let's 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 switch gears. All right, sure. We've gone an hour and forty eight minutes on groceries. This is a great conversation. I hope everyone in the audience is enjoying it as well. Okay, so let's talk about Poway because we we you were chiming in just like these these guys right. here on the podcast last was Monday, right? Where. We were talking yeah. about well, we we were I was talking about Apple and the new jobs and the downtown construction, um, and then the redevelopment potentially of El Cajon Boulevard, and then we talked about Poway, and I know let's just focus on our hometown. So there's a lot of construction going on on Poway Road, right? Yeah, and there's multiple construction sites, and a lot of people in town are angry, upset, confused. Wondering how this happened. There's uh, people that are really worried about people moving in and the mm -hmm. congestion. And just share with me your thoughts on this transformation of Poway Road. So, briefly, I could I could tell you congestion. Okay, crime. All right, um, and, and just and just taking away the the beauty of our town. With these with these taller buildings and, and blocking out our our views of you know our, our hillsides things like that. Those are some of the things that people discussed. Yeah, and and some of the the, the the way they're putting these buildings on the corner, like the one next to the taco shop, is a big one. Yeah. You know, um, by the barn there, that three story building is right there on the corner. I mean, it's right up to the I, sidewalk. I wouldn't want to live in a place that's right there on the corner next to a taco shop. <laughs> 
It looks. It just well, looks. It and just, the drive-through. Imagine living right by the drive-through uh, speaker on a like Friday at one in the morning. Uh, you know what? I'd be going through there ten times on purpose, just just because I want to annoy those people. But you know, I mean, that's just kind of how I am. You know, listen, John. I we talked about change and growth. Okay. Yeah. I think change and growth is important for us as human beings to go through. And I just think that, yes, you can't change is inevitable. Growth is inevitable. As long as the, uh, the human species continues to grow. I do believe you should conserve, um, certain skylines, certain profiles of certain towns. Uh, I think Poway should have been one of them, but like you hit on before, you know, Poway has been growing since the seventies and eighties, you know, um, you did mention the seventies and eighties. I think in that yeah. in that conversation, it really but started I'm, in the fifties. I think well, like the Garden Road development, and then the neighborhoods uh, off of Pomerado Road. I think we're in the fifties. So I moved to Poway in '95, and um, Scripps Pirate Parkway was just opened up all the way through, and uh, the housing hadn't been developed yet. Um, so I loved the town because. You hit Elkhorn Boulevard. Well, I was raised in City Heights, so Elkhorn Boulevard was my stomping ground since my high school was right on the boulevard. Right. So Ted Williams, right? Ted Williams. Well, Hoover. Yeah, he, Hoover. 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 Yeah. Hoover. yeah. So Ted Williams. Yeah, he yeah. used to hit home runs out of that. Out of that. Yeah, uh, right on that baseball field. So I'm. I'm not. Uh, it's not uncommon for me to see change happen and, and growth happen. Uh, the problem is, is Poway was a, 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 a nice hometown away from the city life that I was raised in where I saw a lot of bad stuff as a kid growing up, but there was a lot of good things that came about it as well. I, I built this whole, whole core group of friends, very diverse friendships that I, I can't, you can't, you know, there's nothing in life better than the, the, the upbringing I've had with some of these people I grew up with. Um, they made me who I am. Um, the diversity, the, um, the culture, um, the definitely the food, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my, my go-to food is, is Chinese or Mexican food. You know, I was raised, I was, my mom was remarried. I was raised in a Mexican family, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I've got a lot of different, you know, cultures in my, in my, you know, do my bloodline through my family upbringing and stuff. So, but, but that's neither here nor there. Let's get back on, on the topic of that, of the growth. Well, I think growth is important for, for our society, but I also feel that we should preserve that quaint lifestyle as well. If you move to a town because it's slower, it's slower, it's quiet, it's safe. Um, and Poway's had some problems in the past, but nothing near what I was accustomed to growing up down there because there's just so many more people. Yeah, right. Well, that's the worry I think people are having. The riffraff that might move in, the 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 congestion, um, just the whole city atmosphere in, in, in our in our country that we talked about. You mentioned, well, technically it's just it's always been a city for the longest time. It's no longer a city in the country. It's it's a city kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it to me, where I grew up with compared to Poway, <laughs> it's still country compared today, compared to what, what, the, the, what, yeah, I, what compared I, what, to City Heights, it where, is country. Yeah, where I grew up. I North Park, East San Diego, yeah, El yeah. Cajon, you know, I mean nor, you know, all those places. Um I, I um I'm not big on seeing the city of Poway go that way with growth. Um, I don't like looking over my right shoulder coming home and seeing the Amazon building up on the hill. Uh, I think the city did a, a horrible disjustice to us as residents by not putting trees there, at least cover that eyesore. Um, well, that was like a surprise to a lot of people. That's what I'm hearing. That's when when I'm, that went up, everyone's like, what the hell is going on? And it was kind of approved my understanding is by administrators within the city um, 
you know, the for the city council just sort of rubber stamped it. It wasn't even really discussed. Well, there's been some discussion on, you know, Poway neighbors and some people are bannering back and forth. Well, there was there was a meeting and well, we didn't hear about it kind of deal. And, you know, we didn't have a voice and it wouldn't have mattered if, you know, some people say it wouldn't matter if you did because, you know, the voters voted for it or the council voted for it. You know, let's say five to one or whatever it was. I don't remember what people were saying exactly on the statistics behind it. But my thing is, is, you know, we as a as a community who live in this town, who've lived here for a long, long time. I wasn't born here. I was raised down south. But, you know, Galit and I moved here when we were 24 years old and we built a family here. We love it here. Um, we want to preserve that, um, that safety feeling, that, that quiet, quaint lifestyle that we are accustomed to. I don't want to drive down Poway Road and see riffraff walking up and down the streets at 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, turning Poway Road into another El Cone Boulevard, that's not what I want to see. You know, look, look, look what happened to Mira Mesa. Mira Mesa used to be like that, too. It was a quiet town. It was small, and it completely exploded. There's always something going 24-7 in Mira Mesa. You can't even drive down Mira Mesa Boulevard. You know, you come off the freeway. If you're coming off the 8 and try to go over towards, you know, go into town, the traffic is ridiculous. Um, and, you know, and, and I maybe exaggerate a little bit on that. I've been through Mira Mesa Boulevard. I've gone through quickly. You know, but it's such – it's exploded so much. Yeah, and, Mira Mesa is definitely extremely congested. So this yeah. is the thing I think people are worried about is – um, yeah, they could say they've done their studies, but once the word gets out and the building starts happening, Poway is going to explode. It's going to be congested. It's just gonna, I, that's that's my personal feeling on it. Um, but we will wait and see in the next couple of years what happens when everything opens up. Now it may just be after everything's open, it may actually wake up Poway Road and you look over, man, that's beautiful, man, that looks great. I can tell you right now that three story. Building they're putting up next to Taco Shop looks horrible. <laughs> they should have never put it there. But the other buildings that are inset that they dug down on, yeah, um, that's right there behind uh, Five Guys. Oh yeah, that's the Outpost project. Yeah, I think that could probably be nice. Is that going to be residential or is that going to be? Well, it's a mix. Um, uh, the business underneath the residence on top well, or something. The, the beneath is the garage that's below <clears throat> ground, and then above it there's going to be like a fitness studio and a food court. And I think like a one of the breweries, I think, was going to be involved with the food court. But then there was also residential units, yeah. some apartments or condos. Um, but I heard that they had run out of money and the project is stalled right now. Yeah. Um, well, you know, so you've been down Montezuma Road, right? Yeah. OK, so I've been going up Montezuma Road for 50 years since I was a kid. My grandmother, go, you know, almost 50 years uh my mom lives over there. Uh, my aunt lives off of Montezuma Road. And uh, uh, where my mom lives now, my, it was my grandparents' house. We used to go there as kids all the time coming up, that up down Montezuma Road. I've watched Montezuma Road, uh, or San Diego State, where they had just the one level little housing right yeah. there on Montezuma Road across from the uh, apartment building from across the, I think it was a retirement community home. It was, it was like a five story or something. I don't remember exactly. And they tore all that down and built the big sky rise type things and everything. You know, I didn't know what to think about that. But now you go down there and it actually kind of feels kind of neat. You get there and you park. We go to a, a concert. Yeah. When we were going to concerts over there, you walk through. It's like a community. It is. And it's it's kind of cool. They cleaned it up a lot. They made it look nice. Um, yeah, I don't like tall buildings and places like that, but that's San Diego. Uh, we're talking about Poway now. And Poway and Scripps, and, and Scripps Ranch and Ranch Bernardo I like the quaintness of it. I like the low profile of it. I like being able to walk out my house and see um, the the beautiful hills. 
um, to be able to hear a pin drop at night, you know, to um, instead of hearing gunshots <laughs> <laughs> right. you know, or helicopters yeah. or sirens. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what's going to happen uh, if we get too big here. We're going to end up having a lot of those issues that um, that we dealt with um, growing up down the city of San Diego. Now I might be exaggerating just a bit and we won't know until this all goes down, how it really is going to, you know, come about. But those are some of the concerns that I have. And I'm sure a lot of people have as well. Oh yeah. Um, they're talking about, there was one post that they're talking about opening up, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's one of the, uh, uh, they sell the marijuana, uh, oh, a dispensary dispensary yeah. here in town. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know, my comment was it was off. It was kind of a, a little bit off comment. I said, "Well, there goes the neighborhood kind of deal." You know, and I was kind of throwing a little joke at it. You know, and they're like, "Well, what do you mean by that?" Thinking, oh God, you guys are taking this way too seriously. But my meaning behind that is when you open a community like like this one with with a um, with something like that, you're you feel if the feeling is you're inviting. Uh, different um, entity into the neighborhood kind of deal. It, it, I kind of feel the, like the dispensary. Yeah, right? the dispensary. Okay. Yeah, I kind of feel like you're inviting a negativity to it. It's like opening up an adult bookstore right off of Pally Road or something like that. You, would you ever want to do that? Would you ever want to see something like that or, or a strip joint? But, this but, isn't Rosecrans. This is, you know, <laughs> but I think just with all, let me just counter that if you don't. Right. So a dispensary that sells mm-hmm. marijuana. Mm-hmm. First, I'm, I'm of the belief that we should allow dispensaries in Poway. I'm the okay. opposite opinion. I don't see it as a negative influence at all. I mean, definitely no more negative than a liquor store. Right. Um, yeah. And but marijuana for many people is a medicine mm-hmm. that helps them, you know, overcome seizures and. For other people, it's a recreational drug that, frankly, is a lot safer than alcohol. Um, and so I, there's people in Poway that use marijuana. They just get it from somewhere else. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, so I figure if we're going to embrace, you know, free markets, which is what I tend to support, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, well, why are we blocking this category of a business? But I understand that people have different opinions, you know, mm-hmm. and so um, – I don't think it's necessarily a negative element, but I understand how people could arrive to that conclusion. Well, that's basically what I'm getting at. Um, you know, I like to give everything the benefit. Of, hey, John, my union, UFCW, Local 135, has unionized a couple dispensaries already. Yeah. And so they obviously could see the value behind it. Hey, that could be a good investment for us if we decide to open one up or put our money into that kind of a business because, yes – um, it does help people. There's a, a huge medicinal you know, use for it. Yeah. People are, are benefiting from it. I get that. But I'm just trying to give you a view of what people may be thinking. Well, yeah, I understand that. that. that, yeah. that it just, you know, I'm giving you examples. Yeah, liquor stores, liquor stores, definitely liquor stores don't always give you that nice home feel look <laughs> when you're driving. You see liquor stores down the, you know, the corners and stuff like that. But they've always been. They've always been in a little neighborhoods somewhere or another. Yeah. You know, like, you know, 7-Eleven. And you got 7-Eleven, you got a liquor store across the street over there on Garden Road. Yeah. You know, so does it look a little bit kind of, does it give you a different outlook on the neighborhood? Yeah, kind of looks a little bit, I don't know, like uh, it makes, makes it gives it kind of a rougher look to your neighborhood. Um, but, you know, there's a place for them. The, you know, it, everybody, everybody wants it. They're doing well. So if 
people like to drink, you know, I just, either going to get it at the grocery store, they're going to get it at the liquor store. It doesn't really matter. I just look at it this way. I, I you know, I, I, you, you're not always going to keep something the same way forever. It's going to change. You can't slow down growth. I agree with you 100% on that. You're just not going to be able to do it. I just want them to make the right decisions on how they go about their growth as far as keeping, still preserving the beauty of our town and and still also bringing in the revenue for the city of Poway, uh, which is important. We, we do need that money. Um, so I think it benefits everybody. I just feel that, you know, I'm still. I still in the back of my mind. I'm still worried about the alternatives that well, go along with I, it. I, you know, I, I think the concerns you have about the development are 100 percent legitimate, and there's a lot of people that agree with you. You know, I, and I get it. You know, it's changed. It's more people. It's uh, changing the way the city has a look and feel. Mm-hmm. It's changing congestion. It's changing your views. Um, you know, the, you know, not your political views, but your your views when you look out a window yeah. <laughs> to see your city. It's going to be a big difference. I totally get that. I think we're going to find out. I mean, we can't stop it at this point. So we're, right. we're going to find out what this is like when it's done. And I'm hopeful that it's going to be a net positive for our community. But, yeah, there, it could take a, a downturn. And, and we rather than getting the good, we might get the bad or the ugly. I don't know. John, I've seen it. Well, yeah, uh, so, you've seen I, it. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to give any more opinions on that because um, I, I, at this point, it's just be speculation. And, right. and, and I'm not going to sit there and um, you know say this is what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm just giving you uh, potential potentials. I understand. And, 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 and we will sit back and see. And we'll, when it does go down, we'll talk about it later on. But, you know, we've been speculating about the Amazon grocery store, too. <laughs> we have. Yes, yes. So, so let's see yeah. if we have some comments here on the live stream from a few folks. Uh, Matthew Brannigan says, something had to be done, though. Many parts of Poway Road look like a town down yeah. on its luck yeah. rather than an affluent area. I agree. You know what? I agree. And, and, and I appreciate him saying that because um, I don't want people to take from me that I am, I'm only um, one view on this. And uh, you look at where the thrift stores were and, and some of those old places. You know, Poway did need a facelift. Uh, but how big of a facelift? Three-story facelift? You know, two story facelift. Do we keep it a one story and just build new shops and clean everything up? I'm on board with upgrading the shops that we have there now and, and, and reconstruction and cleaning them up and making it look really nice. Hey, that's cool. If these if these shops are empty, let's put people in them. Let's figure out a way to get businesses back in Poway, because in 26 years I've lived in Poway, um, I've watched businesses go out, out of out of here like crazy. Oh, yeah. Businesses, it's hard for businesses to stay long term here because, like we talked about before, the rents. Yes. The overhead. Yeah. Um, everything that plays along with running a business. Yes. Poway is not cheap. No. It's not cheap to run a business. Rents here are ridiculous. Over there in Penisquitos, where I worked at the store, I opened that store off of Del Sur. It was at Albertsons that now is a Vons after the Hagen thing. Stores over there, I talked to their owners over there, stores that couldn't stay in business. Uh, Pat and Oscar's daughter had a store over there from Pat and Oscar's. Yeah. She had, she had a, a restaurant there. She changed the name a couple of times. I forget the names now, but O's um, kitchen, I think it was, it was O's, but then before that it was, I want to say, I want to say bread bites, but it wasn't bread. It was, it was, um, something related to that, but they used her parents, uh, formula for some of the, the bread that they had there. And it was, she was great. Her husband and her were, her were awesome. But she told me one day, you know, Mike, 
she told me how much the rent was for this little spot. She goes, we're going to have to dip from our savings to pay our people because we can't afford the rent here. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, but I am all for cleaning up rundown, just, oh, man, just terrible looking structures that need a facelift. I'm okay with that. If a new business comes in and it works for our town, it'll be successful. If it doesn't work for our town, our people aren't going to shop there. It's it's amazing with the Poway Commons when they're building that that taco shop is still there. You think that the owner of that taco shop would have sold out, you know? But <clears throat> I forget the name of that one. You got it's, have it's, Oscars it's, down the street. Well, it's, it's El Armando's. El Armando's. Yeah, yeah, that's they, the one. I was there. Uh, was it yesterday? I needed comfort food. So, <laughs> <laughs> what's your go to on the menu? Uh, you know, I like pollo asado burritos. I like carne asada. I, I like it all. Yeah. I mean, I was raised with a Mexican family. So, yeah, right on. Um, I love everything. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, but my go-to are usually now are pollo asada tacos. Um, I've gone, go, going away from the beef side of it and going more towards chicken. Good for you. And their, their tacos, they, they do double tortillas. You know, they got their guacamole and their, they, they, their, their pico de gallo on top of it and everything. And it's very good. Um, I like that one. Um, Oscars has a couple things, but overall, um, El Armando's has been really good. You ever uh, been to El Ranchito? Oh yeah, I, still, I go there all the time. They they have the chunky guacamole that I really really like. Yeah, yeah. They it's like going. It's like what? what uh, who was it? Was it Mike or somebody was, saying that they wish well, there was a store that had everything? Oh yeah, that well, was Pete. The, the Pete. Yeah. The taco shops are the same way. <laughs> they all don't. They all don't do it the same. Just because you know, you know, they, they're, they, you know, they're they're Mexican or they're Mexican restaurants. Everybody's got a different recipe, right? Right. I mm-hmm. mean, I've never been in an Italian household that did the sauce the same way. You know, I mean, I've never been. You know, I grew up with with Latinos or you know, with the Mexican family. I've never been in any of the family's houses where the rice was the same. You know, it all tasted a little differently. You know, but my aunt was probably one of the only ones. That can make my grandmother's sauce. Uh, it still smells like uh, her sauce when I walk in. Nice. My aunt's still the one, you know, and it still tastes like her sauce. But you know, but even she would probably have her own twist on how she prepares other foods. So it's it's awesome that we live here. Um, yeah, I'm a little bit concerned about our growth in San Diego County in general and how we're going as a community. <clears throat> I do love our diversity. I do love our cultures because. I benefited from those cultures. Yeah, right on. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but I will say this, that um, I'm a food guy. I love food. And I'm thankful that we have these cultures here because it makes us better as a people that we get to experience these things. So, yeah, I'm open to change as long as, as the change is good for our communities. If it's going to benefit us some way, somehow, if you're going to open up another taco shop or Italian restaurant or you know, something like that, you know, like I really miss Dominic's. I wish he didn't oh, go out of business. Yeah, that was good. You know, that was a good place. I don't know how the, the pho play is. The place is doing over there next to Kaminsky's. You know, I just don't know if, if they're going to make it or not. It's Thai now, right? It's Thai did, food, isn't it? Did they, did they change it from, is it Fokadao or something like that? Yeah. No, but, but it's Thai. It's, it's, <clears throat> isn't it Thai food? Uh, or is it Vietnamese food? I, I'm not exactly sure. I think it was Thai. But at any rate, yeah. But, yeah, but, but so Dominic's was good. Dominic's was very good. And, you know, now we don't have, yeah. we don't have, we have, we don't have that traditional 
other than Villa Capri is really good. Yeah. Over there on off of Pomerado. Yeah. So, I mean, if I'm going to Villa Capri, I might stop by the new Amazon place and check that out, you know, on the way. You should go there and take <laughs> pictures. I, I'm telling you, it's interesting. You look underneath the hood. Uh, they're digging holes and laying infrastructure. Um, Matthew Brannigan goes on to say there was supposed to be one opening at the El Torito in RB. That's been empty for a decade. Don't know what happened to that. What's one? What was he talking it's about? It's like no. What's, what's supposed to be opening? I, he didn't I don't say what what, what, what. what? I'm not sure what he's referring to be opening. But do you know where the El Torito is? Right in an RB. It's like it's right off of the Rancho Bernardo Road exit, and it's back in a narrow strip mall in the very far back. Um, it's kind of like you know where the McDonald's is in in Rancho if, Bernardo. If I it's, saw it, I would probably it's know across what you're the street. About. But anyways, uh, a couple more comments. Pete Neal says, PTSD is a horrible issue to deal with. Having to go um, to a bad neighborhood mm-hmm. puts people at risk who have a tough margin um, of the ability to cope. So I want to touch on that because of how I was raised. This is probably why I have the feelings that I have. Uh, from um, And he hits, he hits a note with me. Because of of growing up the neighborhoods I did and seeing some of the things I did that I'm not going to touch on today because it's not part of our our topic, but it does resonate with me that comment because I don't want to see our I don't want to see Poway go to the same type of and you know same type of feel or same type of uh, negativity that I've dealt with you know growing up. I guess I'm always in fear that you know you can only have something nice for so long before it's tainted somehow by by infrastructure or by building or bringing bringing other things in that would that would taint our lifestyle. Yeah, um, I get you know, I mean, San Diego used to be a wonderful little town and it just exploded. And then it just, it went from one neighborhood, with, it was great and it turned bad. And then I've seen neighborhoods go horrible, you know? And then, you know, then all of a sudden they, 20 years later, they're trying to clean them up, you know? And they're doing this and that. They're building new structures. They're doing this or that. I mean, every decade or two or so, you know, there's full circle on things. Things change. They rebuild, they rebuild, they rebuild. People move in, people move out. Um, I just, I, mean, I know Poway is not perfect, and our town is not perfect. We we are, you know, we are an imperfect community regardless of where we're at. Um, but it's still one of the best towns San Diego has to offer. No doubt. Um, I think this, yeah, this we have a few warts in this town, but overall this is a great place to be. Great place to raise a family. Right. Um, and yeah, the changes on Poway Road are going to change the look and feel and potentially the culture of our city. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may be positive, it may be negative. I'm glass half full. I'm hopeful yeah. that it's going to be positive, but I respect where you're coming from and what you've experienced. And you might have a, maybe a more skeptical view. I get it. I'm, I, I like to be open like you, John. I, I'm unfortunately, I can't share that 100%. Um, until I actually see how it goes down. Yeah. I, I am I am a wait to see kind of person. I do speculate from the beginning. I mean, I hate to say I don't like to speculate, but you know I'm I'm human. Um, I have my concerns, and I just don't want to see. I want to see us be better. You know whether that's you know culturally, whether that's um, structurally. You know I want to see this town really 
uh, be something special, better than it has always been. It, it needs to improve in some areas, big time. Agreed. Uh, and I'm, I could see those areas that need to be need improving. I'm not going to touch on that because then it becomes personal, and I'm not going to I'm not going to make it personal. Oh come on, Mike. well I just I just don't because I don't want people to start sitting there. Well, you think this way or that way? Well, I do, but I also also open minded to other things. There you go. There you go. You know, I have to, right. I have to I have to I can't everything I'm basing a lot of this stuff on is through fact from growing up and then also from feeling. And you sometimes you have to listen to your gut when you, when some of these yeah, things are course. happening. Yeah, and always go, listen well, to your gut. I'm a little worried about this. You know, make me feel less worried by giving me more information on how this is going to improve our city or improve our way of life or improve our commute times or improve our safety. So if we're going to have more people living in Poway, are we going to expand our our sheriff's department? Are we going to um, are we going to keep things? Clean, neat, organized kind of deal. You know, how are we going about doing this? Everything's going to go. Is everything going to go up? Waste. You got to think about waste. You got to think of water, cons, you know, uh, consumption. Mm-hmm. You got to think of all these things. And you're right. I'm wondering, did they even think about any of this stuff? I mean, we have. I mean, we're growing. I get it. We're a world that's growing. But do we have enough supplies to fit to fill the demand? Mm-hmm. You know. And in Poway, we have our own water company. So what's that going to do to that? You know, what's I mean, my mind is just racing right now because I want to see us improve and we do need improvements. Um, But I want to see this town be better than it is today. But is that building three story buildings that are going to take away from the beauty of what we see every day? Also, is that going to mean an hour to get home and you live five miles away? (laughs) Poway is yeah. basically seven miles, eight miles deep when you think about it. My yeah. house from the 15 freeway to my house is about seven miles. So it takes me 20 minutes to get there, eight, 17 to 20 minutes to get from my house to the 15 freeway already. Imagine what's going to happen then. I mean, even going to Chris Pryor, Community Chris Pryor Parkway, if I go Poway Road all the way to 15. Same either way. It's I think I, I like to think it's faster going to Chris Pryor Parkway, but my wife will say otherwise. Mm-hmm. So it's- the, the points you raise are legit. The points you raise are shared by a lot of people in town. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to see how this unfolds. Let's take a couple more questions here. Um, Pete says, with that said, perhaps sale through a pharmacy would be able to address the issue rather than a specialized store. I think he's talking about the dispensary. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe that could be offered in a pharmacy. Uh, Matthew Brannigan goes on to say, I meant a marijuana dispensary at the old El Torito oh, and RV. Okay. So that's okay. what he was talking about. Okay, sorry about that, you know, Matthew. I, okay. I apologize. I we were we weren't just we've got like you know we kind of were going all over the place, so we kind of <laughs> missed that point. But so. We had like six parallel conversations at once. So yeah, so that you know if if that El Torito turned into an, a dispensary, that's a big dispensary. What they should have yeah. done. <laughs> what they should have done. It would be done, growing there. What they should have done is is. Built a dispensary right next to the taco shop instead of a three three story <laughs> housing unit. You build it. You put a dispensary right there next to the taco shop. That taco shop is going to explode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you imagine that? I mean, well, you know they're they're going to have 
I don't know. In, in, in that unit, in the, the Poway Commons, I think phase one is almost all residential. But they're supposed to integrate more commercial property. And then, you know, the Fairfield project where the thrift stores and the bowling alley is, mm-hmm. there's going to be some commercial property there. But I know that the city council will never allow a, med, a marijuana dispensary here because they're a very conservative group. The, yeah, the city well, council. Where was the one that they were talking about? Was it Ranch Bernard they're talking yeah, about there's, putting? Yeah, there's some they're talking about putting in an RB kind of near the intersection of Rancho Bernardo Road and Bernardo Center Road. Yeah, that's kind of out of the way of the 55 and older kind of group. You're not going to put one right there in the center of you, your 55 and older. Well, no, the, you know what they were talking? It's that old building. Um, right where the banks? Is it by where the banks and where the Vons is over there? Yeah, but a little further north of that. You know, like if a spola, when it wraps all the way around, and then it eventually turns into Rancho Bernardo Road. Yeah. And then right before you get to the intersection of Bernardo Center with the AMPM and the Arco there, mm-hmm. on the left-hand side, there's a two-story building that's like brick and has got like some white wooden pillars in it. It's old-fashioned. It used to be a Kaiser facility, Kaiser Permanente, before... They moved to the new facility that's near the Rancho Bernardo Library. Kind of sounds like it used to be an old bank, like, it lo- like, it like looks, the one on Pomerado in Poway Road. Yeah, it looks like that. <laughs> okay. And so I think that site, some portion or all of it, I don't know, is one of the, the potential sites for a dispensary in RB. But, you know, everyone's up in arms because people associate that with reefer madness and, and everything else. Well, see, that's kind of what I was saying earlier. Yeah. And, and it's just not something that I'm coming up with on my own. See, I wasn't born and raised in Poway. I wasn't born and raised in La Jolla, okay? I was born and raised down in South San Diego. So um, when, I, when, I, when, I talk to, when I talk to you about these things, it's, it's because I have legitimate concerns just like anybody else. Yes. Um, you know, I've, been, I've been through the neighborhoods where there was a lot of – let's just say there was a lot of activity, Okay. <laughs> and, okay. and I've, I, you know, I've seen a lot of things, and, and, and I haven't – been, I've never been in a gang. I've never been shot at or anything like that. But let's just say that the things that we're accustomed to growing up down there, the kids that live up here that think they're, you know, something tough or whatever, or whatever they want to call it, they have no they have no clue about. That's a whole up, different game down it's, there. It's a whole different game down yeah. there. And my son got a taste of that when he started mingling with kids that were from down south but end up going to school up here. You know, because he graduated from Westview and he got to get some of that interaction, some of that because he knows I'm, I'm in a melting pot family. Right. He, he knows. I mean, he's been raised around my family. He knows where my brothers and my cousins and stuff we all came up from. And, um, you know, I'm not nearly as hard as my brothers and and some of my relatives are who grew up in the neighborhoods. I had, you know, different aspirations. I stayed, you know, stayed out of those type of things. But I always had friends that were involved in certain things down there. And so you start thinking about um negative things changing, uh, you know, negative things that can impact the neighborhood. You know, you think of these things like that. I start having these thoughts in my head like, oh, boy, okay, what's going to happen with this? Is this going to cause robberies? Is this going to cause, you know, any kind of uh, violent altercations by having these things here? But I I respect your opinion. Let me just offer a counter. When you are buying marijuana from a dispensary, it's legal, it's safe. It's above board. It's not like some back deal in an alley, you know, where you're dealing right. with some hoodlums that have a gun in their pocket. You know, this is it. When you have it legal and above board, it's it's done 
just like you go and buy onions. You know, you're, you're buying uh, uh, onions or you're buying a plant. You're, I get, I see what you're saying. You, you, you're putting a lot of, um, in my opinion, I think, John, you're putting a lot of uh, honesty and pureness into it. I look at it as when I look at a liquor store, chances are that guy's been robbed at gunpoint at some point in his life, right? I mean, liquor stores, 7-Eleven's been robbed at gunpoint over there on Garden Road. I know that for a fact because I knew somebody that worked there. What do you think is going to happen at a dispensary? But I mean, robberies, I mean, there's probably robberies at grocery stores at gunpoint. That's right? true. I mean, I guess I guess that leaves everything uh, open to, to that yeah. kind of and then, um, banks. You know? Yeah, I mean, so. Yeah, I mean, this is just look, I'm just I'm just throwing things out there. It doesn't mean that I'm sticking to my guns on anything. My mind is wide open, but yeah. I'm just we're just having a conversation. Well, exactly. All good. But I'm sharing feelings that people are thinking and they're 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 worried about. A lot of people <clears throat> think the way you think. And I think I think, frankly, that's why the city of Poway doesn't have med- marijuana dispensaries is because people are nervous of attracting that element. Well, that's what we touched on at the very beginning of the conversation was that's where I was that's where I was going with that. And and I think those concerns ought to be um, you know, I think they ought to be taken in consideration. Well, I think of course. I, yeah. obviously Poway I think is doing that right now. Yeah. Um, is it gonna hurt our town if we if we didn't have one? No, I don't think I think yeah. it could benefit us if, if the tax dollars are there. You know, I mean it's a business like anything else. Right. Um, I don't know if that's something we need, but then again, I, that's not up to me to decide now. That's, there's been some, this is kind of, it all ties together here. Some people that have been very anti housing development on Poway road, you know, and, and they say, well, yeah, we recognize the city needs money. So why don't you just put in some marijuana dispensaries (laughs) and they they could generate sales tax, but, but really in the whole scheme of things, that's peanuts or pistachios um, at, compared <laughs> oh, wow. to the property tax revenue that's going to come from this new housing. But yeah. at any rate, let me, let's okay. see if we have a couple more comments. That's about it. You know, we've been going for like two hours and 23 minutes. Well, I seem to talk a long time, man. This it's is like, good. Um, yeah. And I appreciate you taking time out and inviting me over and uh, you know, letting, let me kind of go on about it. But uh, I think we've, I think we've really uh, made some good ground on these conversations. And I think, uh, I hope that a lot of people, are interested in this and can take something from it because this is just two guys who live in the live in town who are just talking about the concerns that we have. Yeah, it's so like two guys in a coffee shop or at a bar hang, having a drink and shoot. I'm not closing the door on anything, John. I love the fact that you look at it as as half full. I'm not I'm I try to look at life as half full because I want to I want to see the best out of our communities. I think our people in in San Diego County, I think we have some amazing people that live here that have some great ideas. And I feel, you know, maybe their ideas tend to go suppressed sometimes and maybe they want to get them out there and talk to people. And everybody's got an idea of how their life should be. I think as, as residents of our, you know, this great County, I think our voice matters. And I think, you know, the politicians at the end of the day, you know, they, they, they're going to lay down the, the hammer on what they decide they want to do. But I also feel that as a community, we should have the input too. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of this podcast, right? It's like a community forum. They bring people in, you know, just like you and share our views and we listen, we learn. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not going to change your mind. You're not going to change my mind. Uh, We're going to agree on a lot, maybe disagree on Mm -hmm. some. And that's okay. Yeah. I mean, if we all fought the same way, it'd be pretty boring world, wouldn't it? (laughs) Yeah. I think growth happens from discussion and and differences of opinion. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then you find ways that you can, you have a difference of opinion. And sometimes you'll say, well, okay, I'll give a little that if I can take a little something here, you know, you can find ways to compromise. In other cases you learn and you, maybe your view changes, you know, it's just all, it's an interesting discussion, but either way, as it pertains to the housing on Poway road, we can't change it. It's going to happen. Um, let's just hope that it ends up being positive rather than negative. Yeah, I agree. 100%. So, um, okay. Well, what we, we've talked, I, I love the conversation about the grocery industry. I learned a lot because we've talked about it before, but we went way deeper today. And yeah. I, I think that was great. Um, uh, learning about your business and, and what makes the work you do special, how you build relationships with customers. I think that's a competitive advantage you'll have if Amazon does this fully automated store that we're speculating about. Um, we talked about Poway housing and we, we talked about marijuana dispensary. I didn't even know we were going to go there, but this is all good. You know, it's all good. It's part of what we're going to be dealing with here in the future. And, um, and what you said on your last podcast resonated with me. And I thought that you and I needed to really, um, you know, approach these topics and, and get them discussed because, you know, it's one thing to be, you know, sitting here on the podcast and not having any physical interaction with anybody personally, uh, except for what people are posting up here. It's another thing to actually be able to have, you know, a friendly debate over certain things and come to some common ground. Um, I think our approach on our conversations is very important. And I like to use that word approach a lot because I remember you said that in your podcast. And that's a word that resonates with me and your approach and common ground and um, compromise. And those are things that I think as people we need to have more of. We need to have these conversations because they're important, whether it's through a podcast or sitting in front of city council. Uh, at the end of the day, um, people need to start talking more. Yes. Uh, Instead 100%. of arguing and fighting and getting angry over over rights and wrongs that you feel in your heart <laughs> are, are yeah. right and wrong, regardless yeah. of the topic of politics or anything else, at the end of the day, you still have to sit at the table and you still have to converse like two uh, adult human beings and, and with compassion for one another, even though you're going to disagree you should be allowed to disagree and allowed to agree on certain things that resonate with you and just come to a common ground. Well, I don't always agree with what you're saying, but that resonates with me. And I think we can go somewhere with this. Let's yeah. have a discussion and figure out where we want to be as a society. It's simple. I don't know why our society is it's such an uproar over certain things when you can just sit down and sit there and go, okay, listen, we can't allow this to happen because of this. Oh, that makes sense. Well, gee, that's what we've been trying to say, you know, but you'd rather fight over it yeah. and, 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 and escalate the situation. But that's who we are as human beings. We're passionate about certain things. And well, I, I think also the the current political environment and the talking heads on cable TV, it it is um, fueling the fire of fighting and de- and heavy, aggressive debating. Um, I agree 100% on that. And, and so... You know, it's to me, this is nice to just sit down and talk and listen. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I feel I feel good about the conversation. I, I'm, I like again, I thank you for inviting me over. Um, I want to do more. We'll, we'll do. We should do more. Well, we will. Now, the beauty is, is that you're my first guest where you've been back in person yes. in the podcast yes. studio. <laughs> I'm so happy because when we do it online in the, the chat window, whatever, it's just doesn't have the same flow so this is this is good so yeah please i would like you to come back i love the idea of getting you and pete together 
and maybe even we can get Mike because Mike's a car guy too. And maybe doing a podcast, you can do some of it indoors, some of it outdoors with the cars. I think that'd yeah, be a lot of fun. I'll bring my car over. We can bring the cars over and just kind of touch on some of the things that we've done to our cars or, or what got us into, into it and begin with, you know? So yeah, I'm excited. Whenever you want to set that up, whenever the guys are ready to do it. Yeah, well, um, if Pete and Mike are still watching the live stream, uh, that's, that's a shout out to them. And I'll be with Pete in Pahrump this weekend when he's racing his uh, his Corvette Calypso at Spring Mountain Raceway. So I'll bring it up with him as well. And I know he'd love to do it. Send me some video. Yeah. So text me a picture, a couple of pictures or whatever. Well, I'm going to do something there. I haven't decided if I'm going to do a full on podcast episode while I'm there. Or if I'm just going to do some short videos that I'll post on Facebook, but I'm going to do something and there'll definitely be video there. I love your podcasting on your travels. When oh, you, you like did those? The, the, when you went on your travel, mm-hmm. uh, that was pretty cool. You're on your own and just kind of did that whole, where did you go exactly? You went, you hit a lot of places, well, didn't the, you? The one recently, like a yeah. couple of months ago? Yeah. Um, I went, I just needed, it was like a COVID escape um, and I needed time to work on my business with no distractions. And I drove... Um, my EV, I like to take my EV out into the desert where it's really remote and it's hard to find charging stations Mm -hmm. because it's like a game. And I went to, uh, from here, I went to Bullhead City, spent the night. Then I drove through Vegas and then I went up the, the eastern side of, of Nevada and I went through Austin and Pinochet and I worked my way up to Ely, Nevada. And then I went westbound and I spent a couple of nights in Eureka, Nevada, in an old mining town. Um, And then I eventually kind of worked my way back down. And that was a great trip. I really enjoyed myself. That's awesome. Yeah. So I I hope to do another one of those soon, but I'll be doing a miniature one this weekend with Pete. Leave Friday and come back Sunday. Boom, boom. That's cool. Hope hope you have a good time. Give uh, give Pete a high five for me. Tell (laughs) tell him I hope we'll see him uh, in person here pretty soon. Um, and we'll talk cars. I know he touched on that before and, uh, he, he kind of, he'll chat with me a bit and we'll, we'll kind of go back and forth a little bit about cars and stuff. And he'll, he'll, he seems like a pretty cool guy. He is. I don't think we're friends on Facebook, so feel free to friend me if you'd like to. And, and we'll, we'll chat, uh, another time and, uh, love to talk cars with you anytime, or we can meet up. Uh, I can tell you when some of our car events are and you can come by and check it out. We have well, all, yeah. the, all the, all, all the Datsun guys get together. You know, you know, um, yeah. well, he goes with all the Corvette guys. Yeah. So you guys would get along s- right. swimmingly, um, even though you have competitive cars. Uh, but yeah, let's set that up for sure. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, Mike, thanks again. Thank you, John. Yeah, absolutely. That was fun. It was a lot of fun. All right. Uh, everyone out there. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Oh, we got a couple more comments here. Matthew Brannigan. Oh no, it was Pete Neal. He goes, a uh, great time guys. I got to go. So Pete's taken off. All right, friends, this is episode number. 229 of the John Riley Project. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Please follow um, us on social media. You can go to my website. I created a little short URL called connectwithjohnny.com. And there you can get all my social media links. We'll continue the conversation offline in, well, online in social media. And I'll be back again Friday at 2. We'll see you later, friends. Bye-bye.